and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. And I'm JP. And back from his holidays with us this week, it's Grapple Gareth. Hi, Gareth. All right, how's it going? Oh, good, mate. Not as good as you. You look like you're having a yeah. hell of a time uh, sunning yourself in uh, in Portugal on your little uh, little manor you were in. Look good. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much the anti-Steph, aren't I? She was like talking last week about like not wanting to leave the house, and I'm guiltily listen- I'm guiltily lying there <laughs> listening to your podcast last week in Portugal, <laughs> thinking like, yeah, maybe maybe she's the one who's in the right, and I'm in the wrong. <laughs> Look, man, they lifted the, they lifted the quarantine rules. You were allowed to go. You didn't do anything out of line. Like you, like you were saying, it's just, it's just as bad going to like Manchester or even the Wirral by us now. Apparently, is a hot spot. So if you got the uh, the Mersey rail train over the water, that'd probably be more dangerous than going to Portugal at this point. Yeah, and that, that's just like before COVID even existed anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be even worse to go there. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been across the Wirral, is it? I thought the Wirral's posh, no? No, no. This you've, is... been, you've been the Wirral. Have I? Has he? Oh, the Tranmere Oh, game. yeah, of course. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I'm not surprised then. Like, I look at that and I go, well, of course it was. A fucking breeding spot for it. <laughs> Good ground, Prenton Park, but I imagine it would, yeah. That sounds all horrible. But yeah, there are parts of Birkenhead that are a bit bleak, aren't they? Yeah, that boozer we went in. You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't want to be going there in your local, would you? Oh, no, no, not after seven p.m. No good comes. No good is going to happen in that place until after seven p.m. I don't know, mate. I was in, I was in a Birkenhead boozer once watching Shane Douglas do a shoot interview. So you know, good things can happen. That's still the weirdest thing I've ever been to. Shane Douglas doing a shoot interview in a pub in Birkenhead in front of twelve of us. Uh, but yeah, you unfortunately didn't get that on your loan visit. Um, but if you come now, JP, you might be able to catch some COVID. So you know, there's that. <laughs> well, it so far hasn't. I'm back in uh, back teaching tomorrow. So yeah, oh, yeah. No, I fully well. I fully ta- expect to have it by the end of the week. Really, <laughs> it's like the, the way it's going. It's like the cold, or it's like you know when people have like COVID parties, don't they? Just get it, get it over with. So you're sort of out. You'll be fine. It's the whole death thing that bothers me. Really. <laughs> um, like, Gareth's not scared. The idea of it being, I don't know, like Gareth? German measles or the mumps. Yeah. Like like I did for my kids, where it's just like, please, can I take my child around to get this rid of the bloody measles? But no, it'd be like, come round. And it's just like, shit, I can't breathe. <laughs> Last rites. We're, we're probably and in the highest category, aren't we? Well, I think in, we are. In, 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 you're both <laughs> being over. Well, I don't know about you, mate. You look fine. I mean, you've been working hard during the lockdown, and you've come back with a with a very nice tan. So, like, I think you're fine. No, the lighting's just poor in this room. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like over there? Were they like strict, or was it was it a pain like going through the airport and stuff? Or no, I wasn't a pain getting there, but they um, they were just like the. They just seemed like they just had their shit together more than uh, we have over here in a surprising turn of events. Um, but yeah, just like everything, just like bars, restaurants, shops, taxis, the airport. They were just like, everyone was just like pure, like you've got to have a mask on and everyone was doing it and adhering to it and everything like that. It just kind of felt like when I was over there, like this is what it should be like, you know, this is what it should be like in England. And then you're like, come back here, go to Tesco with my mask on and like getting funny looks off people still, you know, for wearing a mask and, and that. But it was, uh, no, it was, it was, that was, I found it bizarre. Like when we got home and it was like, oh, Portugal might be going back on the list and things. And I was thinking, well, not from what I've seen, they seem to be managing <laughs> it a fucking damn sight better than we are. Oh, yeah. Surely though, if you're like, I don't know if you know, it's all those people wearing masks. I mean, a lot of them would have just collapsed and died. No, because that's not what happens if you wear masks for too long. <laughs> Well, that's it, especially in that heat as well like it's yeah. amazing that's why we have that. all those dead nurses and doctors all the time 
is, isn't it? Well, we've missed the trick, JP. Really, what we need to do is start like we'll just go to Portugal and record the podcast from there. Like Gareth was, you were busy like more than that. updating Grapple while you're out there, so I don't see a reason why we couldn't podcast from out there. <laughs> yeah, that's where all the Patreon money will go. Kids were all right though out there, weren't they? Portugal. <laughs> the bit is that too soon. <laughs> There was a bit of a there was a bit of a dicey day when we were sat there and I looked at Sadie and she was sat there in her Everton top and I thought, Oof. <laughs> like we've seen, <laughs> we've seen what happens to a little girl in Everton top on this coast. So. <laughs> oh, your wife doesn't listen to this podcast, right? <laughs> Coincidentally, you never bother locking the doors, so are you? you don't need to. <laughs> oh. So, uh, Jesus Christ, that story, uh, like as. Like my son, my eldest son was like a toddler when that happened, and it was like here's here's a story that's literally every parent's worst fucking nightmare mm. on a screen. It's nice to know that I'm comfortable enough now to openly laugh about it. Sort of fifteen <laughs> years say, later, Callus JP, they're still searching for Maddie. You know, she she might turn. No, she's not going to turn up. It's uh, unless you saw no. her, Gareth. Uh, I assume not. Benno, you seem very certain. Don't you? <laughs> Look, mate, I haven't been to Portugal in a long time. Not mm. too big. Apart no, from that we time we, we went we back, backpacking around the Med. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a we did have this like weird day because we had this villa hired out, and then these these random people just suddenly like emerged in the back garden and sort of started pointing at the trees and saying like like okay okay kind of thing. And this like four people just sort of started climbing the trees and like hacking like fruit down from the trees and like piling them up into these massive bags that they were clearly like taken away to sell. And, you know, we couldn't talk to them or anything, but I was definitely like a bit cagey that day as they're like, they've got their big van with these sacks and like, like my daughter's just like running around next to them and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, maybe we'll uh, lock lock those windows a bit tighter tonight. Maybe, you know, Jesus. No worry for your son, do you just take him? Is that fine? (laughs) Alex can just go. I'll tell you what, the way it was behaving, you know, it was fucking touch and go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lads, he's had a good fun. That's what I told my lads earlier on. It's been fun, but the clock is counting down and you'll be gone. (laughs) They're basically adults, your lot, JP. Like when I was, is your eldest 16? He'll be 16 next month. When I I was 16, my mum was my age now. Like, she was 36, so, you know, 16 uh, I can remember being 16. You're basically an adult at that point. I feel very old. Like <laughs> I said to you, it's like six foot two. It's like, <laughs> what's going on? Like, and this will happen to you, Gareth. These little midgets will turn and the giants who ignore you and give you, will not help you and will live there rent free. <laughs> Well, 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 given that they already don't help me do anything and live here rent free, uh, the idea of them ignoring me is like actually that's like a, a positive side to the uh, <laughs> positive side to the arrangement there that we might have. So I don't know. I'll look forward to that one. Every cloud, I suppose. <laughs> See, that's it. Gar- Gareth's at the start of it, and JP, you're about to escape from it. Uh, that's oh, the yeah. difference. <laughs> my life begins in my mid forties. I'm sure they can hear me talking about them like this. Sorry, lad. <laughs> Is that when you move is up north, JP? You're going to move to Cape Town? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're gone. Start your new life. The, uh, yeah, if, if anything, spending lockdown in an overpriced box has really taught me many lessons about the idea of value for money. Mm. And it doesn't exist. A town in this neck of the fucking woods, I can tell you that for free. Um, yeah. 
don't know I, what I'm going on about. I was looking at a new flat today, but I was trying to like, like up at the, like the city centre here. Liverpool looks perfect size, great pr- great price. Like I can take the cat with me. It's like got its own little single entrance. Can't get in touch with the estate agent though. Been ringing them for two days now, just not answering on the phone. It's like they don't want my business. So you know, maybe maybe there's just like a, a a huge market right now for people moving. Maybe that's what it is, and they, they don't need my money. There is a bit of that. I would just say, hold on to your house price until a no-deal Brexit comes. <laughs> um, I won't be able to. Uh, but, yeah, things might plummet in the new year. Just saying. <laughs> Throwing it out there. There you go. Well, I'll not break that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Phil, Very Phil, Phil, Phil Spencer there. Well, if, if anything, we've come up with a title for the podcast because it's probably going to... I'm gonna probably going to have to call this thing Maddie McCann now. So, you know, at least we got that. <laughs> God, it's Portugal trip. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, this is usually the stuff we do before we press record. Gareth's like uh, getting himself in trouble here. But <laughs> to, to move on, I was gonna say, JP, you uh, you've been busy the last week or so. There's been plenty of you. Uh, you're busier than Steph. Like Steph gets Steph does a uh, does the rounds on the uh, the podcast. She was doing all kinds last week, and I think you even uh, mm. you even beat her. Like I've uh, I think I've been listening to you every day now for this weekend. Um. Yeah, I, even I can't do that, and I am me. I, I find that physically difficult. Like at this point, I was like, "Oh, not you again!" Um, as I would hear myself talk, <laughs> it was it was great. My voice was kind of wrecked because although the WH Park one we re- recorded a little uh, a little while back earlier, um, the the latest of those, but it was it was just great fun doing it and all the different topics as well. So yeah, we went had the AEW roundtable and we had the uh, going into TNA, not Impact. TNA. It's an important distinction. I'm looking directly at Gareth on the camera. <laughs> I'm sure he'll tell me it's good, and then I'll be watching it. It'll be two hours of Katie Ford or Forbes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then doing um, All Japan. Hmm. Um, and it was like kind of a real diverse mix around. But if I could plug another podcast, which deals with All Japan in a, in a different way, but graps and claps this week... Um, particularly like with the Ogdens getting an introduction to classic 90s All Japan, mm. while in a pub, getting progressively drunker after break. There's a point where Andy drinks some like non-alcoholic IPA because he's seen it on Untapped that he, he, he rates. Jeff isn't doing that. And I think he even starts laughing when Chris Linnae is telling him the story of Jumbo Saruta and how he had bowel cancer. <laughs> And he just seemed to piss himself laughing with that by that point. Dumbo Saruta. There was a point where there's this chart for Saruta O. And it's like, he sort of goes, Saruta O. And they somehow made it go, Saruta O. Like, <laughs> like it was some sort of carry-on thing that they were doing. It's a very different way of looking at all Japan in the 90s. And me and WH went down a kind of somewhat more serious path with it. Yes. But, but both as companion pieces... Kind of like watching the the rise and fall of ECW and hardcore. He- what was it? What was it forever hardcore? Hmm. It's the same. <laughs> Which one are you? Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, now you. T- uh, do you know? I'll say rise and fall. I think that like. Oh, when you were WH, bit... he's the professional, isn't he? Like, we're all just amateur. amateur oh, sorry. We're living about which of the two ECW documentaries there? <laughs> oh, WH, absolute, like, yeah consummate pro and i think joseph monticello's got another video out about it as well so yeah we should all be jumping on the jumbo saruta bandwagon at this point he was mm. class right. watch his matches with tenru and the second missile match is fucking great mm. 
Mm. I'd, I'd argue it's better than the 1990 match, but just not as famous. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching and learning as we go through because, like, this is like, I actually, yeah. to be honest, actually on this one, I, I don't know if you'll judge me for this, JP, but I couldn't sleep last night. That's when I listened to it. I, got, I was up in the middle of the night and I was like, I'll, no, no, I'll throw on, I'll throw on the soothing sounds of WH and JP. Not that it'll make me fall asleep, just it's something nice to listen to. And I listened to the podcast before I've seen the match. I've never actually seen the match. I was going to watch it tonight and I didn't get round to it. You, I, oh, fuck off. Probably do it the other way around, I think, is probably the idea, isn't it, with that, with that podcast <laughs> series. But, you know, uh, now I know what to expect. Go back and watch the other All Japan ones on there. I mean, you could take, I mean, I could summarise Jeff Ogden's review. It's all right. <laughs> which he says about all of them i think one of them is like 50 53 fucking minutes that were and like he would he, he, like for the, for like the six man tag and stuff like that um so in some ways they're kind of nice succinct summaries mm. that you're looking for hoping to do and i'm hoping we're all going to be doing some jumbo uh tna podcast as well uh that i think that that's their next plan for it um, and if we're doing it, I'm doing an open shout. We're watching early TNA. We're talking first five weeks shit here. That's, that's the stuff we're doing in prep for it. The other end of All Japan in the 90s. <laughs> Cheeks the midget, the Johnsons, the lot. Yeah, proper like King's Road followed by a chaser of, t- of like terrible TNA. It's a good little mm. combo there, I think. I like it. It's very much like the King's Road of TNA, isn't it? <laughs> Some way. The King of the Mountains Road. Except, instead of gradually escalating feuds, you just fuck it all up with nonsense <laughs> instead. Very true. Uh, but no, that that is like, uh, I haven't listened to the Ogden's podcast yet, but I saw a lot of people raving about it. So yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that one. I'm glad they're back in the pubs. I'm glad they're, uh, they're back to back to their best, uh, do, do, back uh, to doing their stuff. And in all serious, Chris Linnae does, does a fantastic job. They're having to, I think I'm sure, he, yeah, he says it was Chris Linnae is his name, but we've just, I, I say yeah, I've been getting it wrong for so long that like, I think when I met him the I first time, I think I went up to him and said, is your name Chris Linnae? And he just kind of looked at me and went, yes <laughs> yeah i think he's, he's just he's just resigned to it now but he he does a brilliant job of like a primer of explaining all japan in the mm. 90s as well and where it goes back from there as well but it's 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 great stuff even if they do only ultimately review three or five matches because by the end they're all a bit fucked <laughs> uh, that's what we need to do we're uh we're missing a trick lads by uh well, so were the all Japan lads. They were fucked after every match, weren't they? <laughs> uh, do you listen to any of that stuff, Gareth, or have you uh, been busy since you got back from your Aldi? No, I've not. Li- I haven't listened to to that yet. I'm always an avid listener of Andy and Andy and Jeff's podcast, so I'll definitely be catching up on that one. Like like you, I'll probably try and watch some of the matches before I actually listen. You know, just Best so you've way got that. It, like, really. uh, yeah, yeah, I got that point of reference. But like you say, it's uh, better to be a uh, better to be back in the pubs. I was I was saying to someone the other day, this is what I like. I miss. I think I miss it more than wrestling. I think I just miss the going to the pub before the show and just like mm-hmm. you know having having a crack with them a lot and just like mm-hmm. yeah. And then after the show, just going and having a few beers afterwards and just getting pissed kind of thing and just having a having a crack and chatting about the wrestling and stuff like that. The uh, the actual going the shows itself, I'm kind of not missing that much really. It's just the pub either side of it really at this point that I'm definitely feeling the uh, definitely feeling the gap with. But no, my. Uh, my week has been mostly Succession Series Two. It's definitely uh, that's become my new obsession in my life. Uh, what a absolutely, show. just 
into the top five all-time greatest shows ever, as far as I'm concerned. If somebody's Ooh. if somebody's not uh, if somebody's not watched it yet, fucking watch it now. It's just the uh, absolute absolute business. I love it. I don't want to don't want to be like spoilers or anything like that either. If anybody hasn't, but it's never. I think it's supposed to be like loosely based on Murdoch and the Murdoch family. But mm. I don't think I've I've ever had as much appreciation of Vince McMahon as I ever have in my <laughs> life from watching uh, Brian Cox's character in that as well. It's just the single biggest parallel with McMahon that I can. I can ever imagine and just his like utter ruthlessness losing his mind as he gets a bit older making bad decisions and just uh, it's just absolute class like yeah i think you you're a fan aren't you benno oh yeah i was gonna say so what we're expecting then is for uh shane to to plot and try and maneuver him out of the job or maybe maybe that's triple h's role maybe triple h has been uh has been uh, backstabbed and that's why he hasn't got so much power anymore. Uh, yeah, and I, when I watched, like, I, is, it, is it just finished on Sky or something? I Because it? it was a little while ago it was on in America, I think, um, the series. Or did you just watch it? Because right? I know Martin's been watching it as well right now. Have you just been yeah. Kane and the VOD? Is that what it is? Yeah, just just on the VOD. I don't oh, know what right. it's been been shown recently, but just it was just there on the list to, like, watch and then, like, oh. finally watched it. Normally it takes me a while to get through stuff, but I've just been absolutely hammering it. I just, like, couldn't wait for the next thing. And then fucking COVID getting in the way now i've got to wait till the second half of next year to get series three which after the way series two ended like oh god it can't be it can't be doing with like year and a half cliffhangers kieran culkin's my favorite thing about it like he's now my favorite culkin like he's so funny i didn't realize how much of a wrestling fan he was like i had no idea i I, Mm. I listened to like a maron podcast with him and he was it was like his, his wrestling knowledge was like really good. He nearly steered the Marin podcast towards just being like a wrestling podcast because he just clearly wanted to talk about wrestling as soon as that like got jumped upon. And he was, uh, you know, it was, it wasn't just like WWE stuff. He was referencing other stuff. He was saying how like in the bedroom oh, with his missus, in the bedroom with his missus, Colt Cabana's his safe word. That's some safe word. So, uh, not boom, was, boom, uh, boom. So as, as, as great as he was in succession, uh, and, uh, it's, it's gone up in my estimation even more now that I know there's a is a wrestling fan. I think he's a I think he's a round table candidate, JP. Oh, I think I was Let's exactly going to say that. Yeah, that's the one, JP. Get get the Culkin boys on. Get McCauley on as well. Be great. He looks he looks wrestling. He was at what was he was actually one of the. Um... WWF events wasn't in the early nineties. Yeah, yeah. There was like I can't remember and what he did show the it is. Wrestling thing. Oh didn't yeah, he? he did. Yeah, yeah. He's actually done wrestling too. Yeah, he, like he did like a spot, didn't he? With uh, was it Joey yeah. Ryan? Uh, unfortunately, but yeah, there you go. Got all the lads on. And I was, I was I was doing a bit of googling and. Um... Rory Culkin as well, like their younger brother. His wedding was officiated by Paul Heyman. Proper like wrestling lads and all. There's like this random photo of him and his missus and Paul Heyman. I was just like proper, proper round, into it. round table with the Culkin lads. Uh, I reckon. I reckon Done. they'd be up for it. And funny enough, Macaulay's the one I'm probably least interested in at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's. Um, he did, I think I saw that on Twitter the other day. Did, did he turn like 42, 43 this, this week? Or is it 40? Either way, like, yeah, to me, he will always be a 12 year old. Like, that, that, that movie feels so old. No offense, Pash. I. Honestly, to God, I don't have any reverence for Home Alone. Oh, like, and I don't oh, know whether or not. Do you, do you Gareth? What year did it come out? Was it like 1990? 1990, and I was like, what, 12? 12. I was probably a bit old, but I do love a bit of Home Alone. I think maybe because like with my my kids, I think like I was Sadie, she absolutely loved it. So I've probably watched it about, you know, 50 times two years ago or something like that. So Mm. it's just kind of cemented with me. But no, no, classic. I watch it every Christmas. It's like my favourite 
quote-unquote Christmas film. JP, unbelievable list. Do you like Home Alone 2 at least? You remember Home Alone 3 kind of guy? No. If I remember Home Alone 3, it's a completely different kid, if I remember from the front, and he had brown curly hair. I I I remember seeing the second one and not liking it. I think the Trump thing doesn't obviously help with time over that. Um, No, I used to show my kids stuff like Hostel, um, Serbian Serbian film, and uh, Martyrs, a French film where people get skinned alive. Um, Yeah, I'd put that stuff on for them instead. Like, I'm not good with a lot of kids' films for them. It's like I've kind of gritted teeth and tolerated them, and now we're, I'm past that point. It's just like, right, all bets are off. We're watching Snowtown tonight. <laughs> um, no, we're just going to go, like, just going to go deep on the horrible stuff. And I've kind of, you know, the last thing we watched together was Halloween, which was great, and it got them jumping as well. I went, oh, did it, right, yeah. Just... I was wondering yeah. whether it would oh, maybe, yeah. like, just be a bit aged to kind of scare modern kids. Not the kind of jump scare stuff. Mm. That, that Carpenter's great at that. The setting and stuff and the build-up, they laugh at because they kind of look at this weird alien world and can't communicate with it at all. But when it starts to get like, like kind of like turns into the horror film, it's like, oh, okay, there's, there's stuff there. And also, um, my youngest likes Donald Pleasance in Escape from New York. He's like, oh, that's the president from Escape from New York. <laughs> good i've taught you well young man and then so he t- when he turned up in this as dr loomis um father of dexter loomis obviously WWE <laughs> superstar. Um, so when he turns up in that and you just go and again when i saw it i was like oh my god how lazy are your writers i mean how fucking lazy dexter's serial killer loomis it's a film about a serial killer good enough there you go that's probably where it came from let's get Sam Shaw he's the only man who can do that role (laughs) I love that they did that as well though it was like Sam Shaw was like quite clearly a Dexter ripoff and I was like you know what this isn't on the nose enough you know what we need to do literally call him Dexter (laughs) so bad Uh, just fucking awful like again a reason well I didn't watch NXT last week as soon as I heard the spoiler for the 16th like the 60 minute main of an hour that's something i can happily avoid and i'll avoid the rematch for good measure as well um but i don't know this week have we backed the wrong horse when it comes to all this <laughs> stuff who could who can tell uh, um, a, but, uh yeah we're good like our main review today that is going to be aw if you were hoping for that nxt review it's not coming today everyone <laughs> but we'll go through some uh some news no why am i watching this I got burnt by that Matt Taven, Jack, Jay Lethal shit before. <laughs> and, and that fucking Keno Go Shiozaki. Right? <laughs> Going Broadway is a red fucking flag. <laughs> Did they go Broadway, you sure, JP? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> not even for the all... J- yeah, yeah. No, for the all Japan lads, you're fucking pushing it with that. Like... <laughs> Really, Akada, Akada Omega are the only times I'm kind of accepting that. So yeah, when I hear there's going to be an, a draw, anyone who's listened to this for any length of time realises there's no way in hell that we're reviewing that. No chance. So yeah, your AW review will be a lot, but uh, obviously we'll go through some of the, the news and stuff in a minute. But I did want to just say before we do move on quickly, I wanted to plug our uh, our fancy Premier League uh, uh, private league again, the uh, the Grapple League on uh, on FPL. Uh, I've got 30 
three, I think it is, teams altogether who've signed up so far. I'm hoping for a big push towards the end of the week. I need to get on my team, to be honest, Gareth. I've not even... I've kind of been half paying attention to my favourite fantasy football podcasts and paying half attention to the, the bits of news about like Man City and the like today. But yeah, me and you've got a, a draft league we're, uh, we're doing on Thursday and then obviously there's the uh, the all-important grapple league I need to uh, to get myself ready for as well. For uh, I can't believe it's literally coming back this weekend, but for this weekend. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we'll get a, a few sign-ups for that. Yeah, no, that'd be cool if everyone could uh, get involved in that. Uh, just uh, always nice to get a bit more competition to to uh, put yourself up against. But it's just totally, this is just like draft hell or heaven this week kind of thing because it's like the NFL season starts as well. So I've got like, I've got my NFL draft tomorrow. I've got FPL one Wednesday. I've got an FPL one Thursday. Got your proper fantasy team to do as well. It's like not draft as well. So it's a bit like a, it's a bit of an overkill week. This as well as recording this podcast tonight. I'm looking forward to seeing my family on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you saw enough of them in Portugal, mate. It's uh, true. Very true. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, like I say. I think. JP, this is going to be your second year of playing the game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, again, I'll put the code for the league in the uh, in the show notes. It's VD8GOQ if anyone wants to write that down. But just get the link in the show notes, everyone. But yeah, yeah JP, you'll be able to go up against our listeners this year and put everything you learned last year into practice. Uh, are you ready? Are you ready for this? Actually, no. <laughs> I found out today that, obviously, looking at the game week, I was like, why, are, why is Marshall De Bruyne and Chris Wood not being involved? And then saw that happen. Oh, for game week, I know, I know, I know. And you two are on it for that. I've got a better neat team name this year, though. Hmm. Um, Zoom Hoffenheim. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't even see that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So if nothing else, that's there. Well, you've no, won I, feel, that I, I gave it. I gave it more thought this year. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't. I just went Buck Zoomhoff. Offenheim, the end. Um, there, must be some, there must be some sneaky four million young Irish lad there you can tip up to everybody. Is there someone who's... Uh, well, some... I was having this conversation with Joe tonight about is Michael Obafemi worth getting in? And he was going, he's going to be a squad player this year. He's not starting. He reckons Che Adams will, will be starting at Southampton. And Stuart Armstrong as well. He was kind of bigging up in that. Possibly even Walker Peters. So there might be a heavy Saints influence throughout that. But, oh, I mean, this week has not been a good week for Irish international football. Hence, no talk of it. You'll find. I'm not going to bring it up in the slightest. But when it comes to no, fantasy... I do. <laughs> yep. When it comes to fantasy league, there are a few knocking arounds, trust me. And, and will I tell you... Possibly two weeks up into them being good. Uh, keep it, keeping your cards close to your chest there, eh? Oh, Jason even... Malumpy at Brighton. Ja- All right, here's one. Jason Malumpy at Brighton. There you go. There's he's, from War- he's from Waterford as well. But he's really good. And he was shit out of Millwall last year. Okay. And is it your man Harrison at Leeds? Mm. He looks a very good player. All I was going to say is just, you know... Don't overthink it, everyone. If he hasn't got COVID, just Captain Salah this week. That's that's the way forward. That's that's my main bit of advice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting it. I'm expecting a big uh, big game week one for him. But yeah, it'll be. Uh, we haven't even we haven't even set a prize for this yet. Are we gonna are we get we're gonna say it? should the winner get winner gets a tenner? Winner winner comes on the podcast. Winner gets to pick a review or something. I don't know. I'm just spitballing ideas here. Or is it just for the pride of it? Is that what we say? I, t- I, I, I tell you what, gra- grapple t-shirt and a, uh, and, a, and a fight code. 
There you go, yeah. There I'm you saying, are. Which fight code? It might be like, you know. <laughs> I don't actually All wanna... out 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if not, it says not, it's already not, been not, used. <laughs> not Rev Pro Epic Encounter 7 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> if they get to 7. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We'll we'll have a think, but yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, a little grapple t-shirt. That's a, that, that's got me more wanting to win it now. I could do with the new one. You know, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the codes uh, again got to be in the in the uh, the show notes. So yeah, if you're interested, uh, footy in our random fancy football chat, do join that there. But yeah, lads, we should uh, get into the, the wrestling stuff. Uh, there's only a couple of I'd say news notes uh, before we get into our all out review, but. I suppose we should start with it. I don't know if you guys have got any big thoughts on it, but the uh, the WWE cameo story. I mean, you know, obviously JP Garrett's told us off we're not allowed. That's why we've not been Twitch streaming because Garrett wants to make sure he gets uh, all the profits for Grapple and uh, and offering all the millions of pounds we were making each oh, week yeah. doing our Twitch streams. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking two, right? I own your souls. <laughs> you own our real names. You own our <laughs> stage <laughs> names. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason I can't go by the name of John Paul on this podcast. <laughs> and I've never brought it up. <laughs> like, occasionally you have, Richard. Um, but like, we, we can't do that because because of, of gareth i mean he he said it i i own your likeness fucker uh, <laughs> if i could paraphrase him so i, I own benson richards uh, uh, ernie richards ernie benson whatever <laughs> easy Ernie benson i will have you know i buckled you put on twitter this week i am undefeated against the next WWE champion who we can't name for 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 controversy reasons but you know there is that um, <laughs> you can't own that. You'll anyway, take it either way, won't you? Said victory. Oh, I'll have it. I'll have it. It's like it's like Cody Rhodes can't use Cody Rhodes because he starts in WWE as Cody Rhodes. I used that name before. Grapple. I feel like it's mine, Gareth. He can't have it. Um, <laughs> but like, it's a, it's such a like this whole thing, such a shit show. Like yeah. the, the fact that you know you got Andrew Yang out there commenting on it, and you've got like WWE issuing, issuing press releases about it. Um, basically saying that you know it's uh, everyone will make more money if uh, if they do it through us. Meanwhile, fucking pages on Twitch making tens of thousands of pounds, and like you know that Lana like has got product endorsements. And yeah. I, to be honest, like I think WWE are in the wrong with it because at the end of the day, these are independent contractors. So I really don't see what the logic is that you can control someone in their own name selling, you know. $200 cameo videos I think I saw mm-hmm. uh, I think it was Big E was selling for about $600 and someone did the maths that like again he's made tens of thousands of pounds he'd sold about 600 of the fuckers um, and if he's doing that on his own time and he's an independent contractor technically that should be fine but if anything I've been shocked to be allowed it for as long as they have that they've let it happen even down mm-hmm. to like the wrestlers having Twitter accounts in the real names which kind of became a trend over the last couple of years and just being allowed to be out there doing their own stuff on on the likes of tiktok as well uh yeah i think if anything like vince has been asleep at the wheel it's like somebody maybe last week told them what a tiktok dance is and all of a sudden he's he's realized that the that these these fucking wrestlers that he you know he barely pays compared to most sports people anyway i've got the cheek to go out there and uh and be making a little bit of extra money on the side so yeah that was my main take that i'm surprised it took this uh this long for it to happen yeah. I mean, with with me, with me, it's just that whole thing of like the whole independent contract thing. It's like they just want it both ways, don't they? It's you know, and I think um, what was what was that guy's name? With the Andrew policy, Yang. you know, the idea when he came out there and he was, you know, he was 
you know, clearly speaking intelligently about it and I'm going to do something, look into this kind of thing. You just think like, yes, come on, if this is like a final mm. straw sort of thing that really just uh, comes back to bite Vince on the arse and this would be absolutely fantastic just as another thing that like legally from an employment law point of view or something like that, he can get stung on and maybe just uh, open things up for the for the talent to earn a bit more money on the side, maybe uh, actually get them some proper like healthcare and things like that on the back of it as well. That would be absolutely, absolutely fantastic and worth at all but i mean me pointing to succession before i mean to me this was just classic it was just low yeah. succession it was just like you know hard nose totally just a no you know no idea what's going on in the real world totally missing a trick and then like suddenly trying to stamp his authority all over it again and just not realizing the damage he's doing to his brand by by doing it it was just like classic modern day vince mcmahon and you know as, as much as he can shoot himself in the in the foot then uh, that's good by me yeah that's it like that that's like that's the thing it's like vince has a whim like this and all of a sudden the whole world moves that is literally like that's the that's the roy story uh i think of that um but yeah have you been shocked jp that's been like it's actually been making the likes of the mainstream press like it's 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 perfectly poised for another uh is this week tonight on at the moment or are they on break because i feel like they're a segment uh, of that's got to be last to this. week for labor day so oh, it's the labor day weekend this weekend just gone so um, it was. It could come back. What's kind of more interesting from a political point of view? So Andrew Yang was a surprisingly kind of strong runner in the Democrat in the Democratic nominee process, and he had a bit of a following. And it was partly based around kind of reshaping the world of work and modernising work and things like home working. I mean, in fact, part of his plans was to give people basically a thousand dollars a month as a way of kind of stimulating the economy because the idea being is if you give that to poorer people, they're actually going to spend that and that's going to be invested back in. And he had lots and lots of ideas for these. He's kind of primarily a tech entrepreneur. Now it very much seems to me, he was very early on a big supporter of Joe Biden. It's, it's one of the things that it seems like this is him pitching for the job of secretary of labor secretary. If so, he's going to be really kind of coming. It's, it's kind of an easy target to go after because from a political perspective, the McMahons are close with Trump. And this is a way of kind of you have a go at Trump by proxy, as in these are the kind of people who Trump kind of hangs around with. And these are the kind of practices that they do. And you just sort of publicize it. And he's shown like clearly there's some interest he has with wrestling. I know he's tweeted about AEW before as well. But this is I mean, in terms of that side of the story and publicizing it, that's kind of much more in the John Oliver um, independent contractor. What is, I also think an issue with the social media aspect of it is I imagine with Vince, it would have been the point that somebody pointed out how much page is making from it. And his immediate thought is you work for me. I should be getting a cut of that. Like that's kind of instinctively where his brain goes to part of the problem is with this is a lot of this stuff is basically recreational. Asuka's YouTube channel, where she's building an arcade station and the rest of it, it's not necessarily for me, but it's their content that they control and they get to deliver and it's not scripted. Everything else they do is scripted. It's hard to say if WWE didn't get involved, they'd try to script Twitch streams and the rest of it and they'd be using the word universe all the time. Hmm. And it would fundamentally show how little they understand this. And a lot of this is about a wrestler's personal brand that they're kind of building up um for um life after wrestling 
Mm. Someone like Xavier Woods is setting himself up for this, as he should do. Mm. And the amount, like, I would say for it, for the amount of personal credit, freedom he gets from it, um, and Paige, there'll come a point where it's like, what is the point of working for you? Like, really, there's nothing to gain because all they seem to do is put restrictions on their lives. And there comes a point as an employee where you just go, the cameo stuff, if that's done out of the work, out of the time that they're not wrestling, then it should have nothing to fucking do with them. Regardless. If they're not, like, especially if you're Xavier Woods or now it's going to be Soraya, isn't it? Um, Soraya Mania, I think, is what Paige is having to rename her Twitch channel as. And they'll do that and they'll rebrand themselves and they'll prove themselves to be more canny. And I often wonder, I'm not saying this is the breaking point, but it makes me wonder that there is a stage where, and I'm not going to say it's going to be exactly like, say, the Bosman ruling, but there's a point when, because of the importance of social media, you can't really have bad social media. And this is the kind of stuff that's going to happen. It'll add to the toxicity of the WWE brand and it will become a point where these performers and their own personal brands, they like that being tarnished with WWE could end up being some kind of an issue. I think they're really playing with fire with this because, again, it's it's just something they don't control. And rather than someone logically going, it's got nothing to do with you, old man, fuck off, as they all should do, it's how many of them actually do something about it. I know, you know, Seth Rollins will have that fucking tongue on the boot straight away telling us about how great WWE cameo is. They'll probably relaunch Tout or some other shite for it. But fundamentally, this is like, it's a bad idea. It's not going to work. It's going to rankle them much more. For some of them, and I don't know when you... I imagine they're already counting the days till they can get out of the contracts and the rest of it. Hmm. And it, it just creates the idea of a place where, like, they do... It's like, what is their logo going to be rather than then, now, forever? Is it going to be, we control every aspect of these people's lives? Hmm. And might as well just change it to that. It's fucking dystopian, is what it is. It really is dystopian. And I'm not interested in hearing the Vincels sticking up for them as well. Right? They can fuck off and read guns and ammo, whatever it is. <laughs> Arseholes. If I could put myself as a Vincel for once, the only bit I think where they've got an argument is when they're using WWE names for this stuff. I kind of get that a little bit. I think. I, I think. If, but if you, if you, independent like contractors, mate. Yeah, oh, but yeah. if you're using your stage name, it's like you know when Eastenders character using their, their you know Ian. Whatever Ian Beale's real name, this is why we need Joe. Ian Beale's real name, whatever his name is, him being like, oh, I'm Ian Beale and I'm doing a stream. At that point, you're kind of you're your character. But if you're Paige and you're Soraya Knight and you're Xavier Woods, like you say, is a great example where he was basically, mm. you know, he, he, from the start, he's made sure that he's got his own brand on it, his own name on it, because um, he's ready for stuff like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the, the corporate side is, isn't it, that, you know, they, they, they know. They could do a big well. They've realised now they can do a big deal with these companies and they can make more money for themselves. I think the idea that the individual wrestlers will make more money off it is uh, is pure oh. fantasy. Um, but that's the only bit where I think okay, they've got a bit of a point. Um, but overall, it's just like I think. The, to be honest, I think the biggest point you raise is just are the wrestlers gonna actually stand up for themselves for once because they yeah. are they're making all of the noise 
And, you know, you're getting little shirty comments and, you know, the likes of, you know, even an AJ Styles, who's not been particularly happy lately, has is, is, is been mouthing off a little bit. Um, you know, especially... Screaming Hyman from the top of his voice. I'm sure it's all Paul Hyman's fault, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he'll find a way to make this Hyman's fault. Uh, but it's whether, yeah, that, 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 that grumbling and stuff actually leads to... Like, like you said, I would love for this to lead to real action and the, the wrestlers to actually band together. And like you said before, actually use this as a as a catalyst to you know get better uh, conditions for themselves. But I think we all know it won't. I think we all know, you know, there'll be holdouts. But I think mo- most likely by the end of the month, WWE is going to get that way. Could be good news though for some people like there, where you've got like Nick Gage, where you can get a Nick oh, Gage cameo for twenty quid, you know, kind of thing. There's, if people are typing in wrestling there, and suddenly all the uh, the biggies <laughs> of this world have gone and things like that, you know, Nick, Nick Gage, Gage might have a few more twenty quids his way. I'm looking here, you can pay sixty quid for Austin Theory or twenty quid for next Nick Gage. Come on, you're getting uh, you're getting three Nick Gage messages, aren't you, before you buy an Austin Theory one anyway, you know? So oh, uh, some of these are just uh, some of these are just like ridiculous, uh, r- ridiculous anyway. And Bushwhacker Luke for. 29 quid you know he's uh... 9 quid more than Nick Gay (laughs) why 29 why not 30 (laughs) it must be it must be dollars must be a conversion thing going on here Kevin Nash 87 quid god could be could be TNA roundtable material for that price I mean, I do, you re- do you reckon he'd do a podcast for, for that much? He said, hey, hey, Kev, $90, so yeah, we'll uh, just come on for a podcast for 20 minutes. It might work. He'll oh. be eating throughout. He'll agree to 15 minutes, switch <laughs> off, and I'll have every one of those 15 minutes and feel it's somehow money well spent. <laughs> and I'll just go, he is a gigantic piss taker, but by God, you got to love him. <laughs> uh, any other good deals there, Gareth? <sighs> There's just some like really, really like bizarre, like like random ones that are just like sixteen pound for James Ellsworth. Like, who's paying sixteen quid to have like a James oh. Ellsworth message? Like James Ellsworth. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, sixty-two quid. You know, there's a. There's uh, we, we got him in real life for free, Gareth. We got him for free, didn't we? Three times as more expensive though than Tito Santana. You know, I'd be uh, I'd be wanting an Ariba all the way before I wanted a hoe. <laughs> well, I mean, as we all know, <laughs> That's a quote. like. If there's, I mean, whenever I think of grapple, I think of one match in particular, and that's Tito Santana versus the Executioner. I mean, it's a match that I know everyone who's used the app has at some point got round to watching. How many people have watched it and rated it? Oh yeah, we've got a we've got an abundance of ratings for that one. About six hundred plus ratings. T- yeah. Turns out my son at the age of thirteen had watched it, which really took me by surprise. I was like, how did that set of circumstances happen? There may be a little bug in the app uh, there that uh, that makes a uh, nice little Easter egg there. <laughs> well, it's, it's basically like Tonton Zola Makoku, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's along those lines, you know. <laughs> definitely a little bit of uh, a little bit of Fred Yadu action there, or Cherno uh, Samba, or something like that going on there within Javier the app. Saviola back in the day, fucking oh, gold machine at PSV. Adamant he was going to leave. I never let him leave. Rather like Vince McMahon, I said. You're spending life in Eindhoven, mate, if you like it or not. <laughs> uh, oh, well. So, well, but if I could just add one last thing to that whole conversation, though, with the, um, with, is the fact that they don't also know how to use these new mediums. And mm. there's such an easy way that if they were a good employer about it and actively promoted these social media accounts, which were helping out their performers. Plus, at the same time, got a bit of engagement and, God forbid, some good publicity for doing something. 
mm. rather than thinking we do make a wish and we've said don't be a bully that's surely enough like honestly to god this idea of letting their performers being able to kind of control this and actually show more character than they're allowed to show on tv at any stage you'd imagine somebody with a bit of fucking gumption about them rather than a mentalist like would think actually we could use this in a really positive way and it'd be a win-win all round but nah fuck it we own them <laughs> I, I, th- I think they i mean it's it's not to me it's not about the money it's about the control i think you yeah. just like said the right word there and like in reality they probably don't want their superstars to be able to engage with people on a one-on-one basis like that and you know make them that accessible how can they be a superstar if they can just send you a message on a phone kind of thing for for 10 you know 10 minutes they need to be put on this elite level or something and then so if we can control every aspect of our life we can control the entire narrative of how they're presented who they're presented to when they're presented and things like that and yeah i just purely think it's you know there's there's a limit to the money they can make and let's face it they've got money you know pouring out of every orifice with them tv deals at the, at the minute you know i don't think they're bothered about missing oh i've missed um, 30 quid a year or 50 quid a year for a little message that biggie could do or something like that you know it's more about saying no we own you and we'll fucking decide who you speak to and when and how you do it and what words you use and things like that it uh, totally comes back to that that's it and that's the thing i hope the wrestlers kind of wake up and see and you know the fact that in a in a global pandemic that they have been more profitable than ever and they still release people. And at a time where they're more profitable than ever, they're making that extra grab for that, you know, exclusive contract with Cameo or Twitch or whoever it is. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm too much of a pessimist, but as much as I hope for that, I don't know if that day is coming. Are, are they taking money out of their performers' pockets and therefore potentially having <laughs> taking them a meal off their table? Their families? <laughs> I mean, they are, aren't taking they? Taking food off their table, Potentially, you know, if they're taking 50% of what Tita Santana's doing, <laughs> can he even buy a... I mean, fuck me. He'd, he'd struggle to buy more than a Big Mac meal. <laughs> Might treat himself to a milkshake. So, yeah, oh, they're Tito. robbing him. <laughs> uh, if anyone's listening to this and you're a Tito Santana fan, do the man a favour. Jump on. You know, slip him a 20 quid. Same with yeah. Nick Gage. Nick Gage deserves it. Nick Gage ones are the best. Like, that's... I've, hopefully, I'm hoping to... Uh, you know, not just saying it, lads, but, you know, I've got you know a birthday next year or something. I've, I've been made up with a Nick Gage cameo, just saying. Um, <laughs> he's got the Entrance best Entrance to the show. Yeah, the intro, intro to the show. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'm Nick fucking Gage. Listen to motherfucking Grapple. May the death kill. <laughs> That'll be a good intro. Listen it. Listen every week. <laughs> don't, need to pay it. Don't, need to, don't need to pay him now. You've just done it. Done it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, a bit of MDK. Yeah, I'll, wear, I'll wear my Nick Gage t-shirt. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> it could work. That's what we should do. We should, uh, now that Joe's retired from podcasting, we should get him to uh, to come back and be exclusive to Cameo. And he could just tell people to fuck off for, uh, for a tenner ago. There's money in that. <laughs> do you know what? I think he'd be gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go, everyone. You want Joe back? That's the way you get it. <laughs> Um, very quickly, I was going to say because obviously the the all out review is going to be the the bulk of the show, but I did want to mention that we're uh, expecting this week uh, the G one uh, lineup is going to be coming out on on Wednesday. Cause they've left it extremely late this year. Uh, it is literally launching, if you can believe this, next fucking weekend. Uh, I don't know what are we expecting from that. I I think do we think because they've left it so late that it seems 
likely that maybe they've left it so late in the hope they'll get a few international people do you think we'll get a couple of surprises or is it or is this going to be the uh, the Yoshitatsu uh, G1 uh, I don't know what, what Yoshihashi Yoshihashi came back that <laughs> might be just coming in and I'd be fucking excited <laughs> I'd take that too to be honest uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we expect anything special from this one lads hard to know simply because it could be very changeable as well it could change on a whim but i if i'm right in thinking they have allowed people who've got working visas to return back to japan uh for a quarantine period there's also the issue of if people are flying over now they're gonna have to quarantine in japan for 14 days does that not take them out at the start of the g is the g1 not starting on the 18th yeah they'd have to be there now like that's pretty they'd much have to it, be it? there now hmm. and I don't know if anything's been announced about that. So mm, they might just knock some people going, over. That's the rumor. Mm, yep, exactly. That's the rumor. I mean, having seen Jay White on Strong, I'd expect Jay White to be there. Um, it's what's going to happen in um, with I don't know even the likes of a Farle or even a, or like a Toa Hanare. Um, Juice Robinson would be one who kind of lives there as as well. Even David Finley, like who are they going to be? Will Osprey is the obviously the biggest of of the names who are certainly the most notorious at the moment for for people they'd bring that they would bring back. And I think it comes down to a factor: would they like to bring all of these people back? Yeah, but are they going to actually be able to do it? I don't know because I was just thinking about this with the quarantine quarantining period and it, it just seems i don't know but then i also think it's wrestling and if you're asking them whether or you know i don't know it's a it, it's a difficult one i can actually see it being pretty nondescript and a few of the fly-ins actually not being on this at all and if maybe they could bring them back for say the finals or something like that so i i don't I don't know. Sorry, I completely <laughs> copped out of that answer. <laughs> I think the uh, the biggest question is going to be like, because obviously they've got people like an Osprey, which will you know cause all kinds of uh, I think news stories on Wednesday if he gets announced. To is a Japanese, you know, he's a not a citizen, but he you know he's got a place out there. I wonder if those people might you know be the exception to the rule. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, Gareth. Why they've left it so long, but. Uh, Part of me just thinks if if this was just going to be like the New Japan Cup and it was just going to be, you know, you you, you do do who you've got already, I think we'd know this lineup already. Um, I don't know, maybe that's uh, wishful thinking then. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I'm expecting a few surprises. Don't know who it, who who it's going to be, but you know, I think that's the main thing for me is just please just give us a bit of differentiation to what we saw in the New Japan Cup because the I mean I've said this before a couple of weeks ago. I mean the idea of a round robin version of some of the guys who were involved in the New Japan Cup there it's certainly not inspiring me to want to be watching the G1 every single day as you normally uh, as you normally would when you've you know you've just suddenly got some some you know random bullet club match or something <laughs> something like that that we've that we've seen before i'm, I'm thinking there with the time that they've allowed i think with the the time there that's potentially allowed with quarantine i'm sure there's some red tape they've allowed, been able to get around on like a citizenship basis or something like that i'm sure there's at least going to be like three or four people there who, they've, who they're going to have managed to to pull across and just just shake things up or that's a hope anyway because you know i haven't been the most inspired with what what's come out in new japan in the 
the last sort of month or two anyway, really. So I think we just need something that's just going to, you know, just give it give it a bit of a lift and, and get you excited for the G1 rather than looking at the lineup and thinking, oh, more of, more of this kind of thing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. fingers fingers crossed. Well, what we need, lads, is Yoshi Tattoo to come in and save the day. And I reckon I've predicted something there. That's, that'll sort it all out now. <laughs> yeah. he, he has been better in all Japan. I, I, think it's, I think there's been, there's a good match here with Miyahara. And then you remember it's Miyahara, don't you? Like, oh, yeah, he's really good, isn't he? So, yeah, if he came back in, I don't think you could be excited about that. Oh, well. Well, yeah, even that, though, you know, mixing in some non-New Japan Japanese talents, I don't know. Uh, that would be that would be great but i don't know if that i could see them actually doing it um, obviously they did it those few years back with noah and i think yeah, that's Nakajima right, yeah. and marafuji really added a lot that mm. year um especially and it led to like gr- that great heated brawl in the g1 final when he had team noah and he had shibata and nakajima mm. um being share each other delivering headbutts that they really shouldn't have delivered <laughs> um but at the same time like that would be really good. And obviously what that would actually probably do is then by default help other Japanese companies if they're able to do that. But they don't really have those kind of agreements with other Japanese companies. So much I, I mean, I saw Minoru Suzuki turn up in Big Japan, but they're not really going to bring in anyone from Big Japan, to be honest. And, and there's... Am I right in thinking there's there's a decent crossover with the the champion carnival and is it the is the M one in Noah as well kind yeah, of thing? So there's there's other stuff going on there as well where their big names are going to be tied up with their own you know their own tournaments and their own own business really. So I just can't see it being there. I think it's got to be it's got to be you know something that's going to be your Jay Whites and your Ospreys and your Juice Robinsons and things like that. I'm sure they're the they're the ones that you can if there are going to be surprises, it's probably going to be guys like that. Well, only a couple of days to find out. We'll find out Wednesday, and then, yeah, like you say, tournament season starts heavy. Uh, fuck me again. A, a week this weekend. Like, what a period this has been. <laughs> like, from SummerSlam to All Out, and now the G1's about to start. But, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be covering it all here, so uh, definitely uh, definitely look forward to that. Um, but like I mentioned there, yeah, I suppose uh, we should get into our, our main review today, uh, which is probably going to take up the uh, the bulk of the rest of the show, is uh, AEW's All Out, which uh, happened this weekend. Uh Comfortably, I would say. I thought, you know, Gareth, you put some uh, some grapple stats out there. I saw Voices of Wrestling uh, tweet them out. Um, we've got uh, got some of them here. We can go through about the, you know, AEW's performance on pay per view and their, their highest rated matches. Yeah, I feel like all out once uh, all is said and done, uh, it's probably going to be uh, on the lower end. I think it's probably fair to say, at least from my point of view, the uh, the worst AEW pay per view. And I'm sad to say that because I was really looking forward to it on Saturday and. You know, it was a uh, it was a long one as well, which I suppose doesn't help as well. Uh, who thought, lads, we'd be we'd be here last week uh, praising the second WWE pay per view in a row, and we're about to go into all out. And unless you guys have got wildly different takes from me, we're probably going to be burying it more than those those WWE shows. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, maybe we should start there with like before we'll go through the match by match. But as overall thoughts, um, I mean, I watched this one live. Uh, and it was a bit of a slogger, still sitting there. Uh, looked at the clock at one point, and it was like five past four in the morning, and we still had a, another whole match and a half to go. Uh, maybe that uh, coloured it a little bit as well. But yeah, I don't know. Overall thoughts, maybe you first, uh, Gareth. What did you What did you make of this one as a as a pay per view for AEW? And uh, yeah, is uh, where does it fit in a, in AEW canon? Yeah, I mean, I mean personally, like I. 
you know, I'd be lying if I said I enjoyed it as much as other pay-per-views that I've I've seen from from AEW. But I sort of don't subscribe to the level of negativity that it's that I've seen it have online oh, on Twitter and things like that. You know, I think I think it was, you know, it definitely was long and it was a slog. And then you had obviously, you know, you had different factors in there that that you know sort of probably contribute to your opinion where you know you had that opening cinematic match then you had what happened with matt hardy and things like that so there was mm. those sort of elements in there that that factored things in but i mean I, I, you know you alluded to it there around the stats and you know when you when you go and look at it and depending on the way that you, that you look at things you know overall across the matches as a whole like from the grapple ratings the show itself averages out at like 2.74 which is the lowest, you know, the lowest show that we've seen from from AEW, um, com, you know, completely over the, over that over the the whole time period that they've gone. In fact, the the lowest pay per view that they'd had before that was like even with Double or Nothing or Fight for the Fallen last year at like three point one six. So it it definitely came in lower. But one of the sort of things there is that I mean that it almost feels like a bit of an anomaly to me that I think if you if you look at it in a different way and you say okay well like how many matches were on there that were rated as like 3.5 or higher so you know that there, there was good stuff at the or, or, or better stuff on the card as opposed to just the the poor stuff there was actually um you know there was actually four matches on the card that got like rated 3.5 or higher and that there's only been two other shows this year that have actually achieved that which is like nxt takeover portland and and both days of wrestle kingdom so from, from that point of view it's like you know it, it it doesn't perform i think it's just the the bad taste the, the the bad end of things that seems to have left like a bad taste in people's mouths and maybe negatively affected how they've how they've seen um how they've seen seen other things so um you know while while on an overall average, it hasn't it hasn't ranked up there. There's there's still you know there's still a, a good chunk of matches, four matches there, three point five or above that people have people have enjoyed and thought were um you know, you know thought thought were positive and certainly obviously you know I, I sat there in, in Portugal last week listening to you's rave about payback and I was thinking no way there's 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 absolutely no way that this show could have been that good and then I was like looking at the grapple ratings coming in and I was thinking yeah I'm not having this kind of thing you were all I don't, I don't, I don't know what it's, uh, if uh, you had been on the uh, Saudi Kool-Aid while I was away or something like that I don't know but uh but you know again you, look you, mate they're trying right, it's easy <laughs> give them a stick and we buried TNA but, uh, as well sorry guys Jeddah videos what more do you want <laughs> but I mean you look at this and obviously like Big Toe made his comments last week about their previous pay-per-view being better at WrestleMania and he, he got canned for that. All Out's got a better average than both days of WrestleMania this year. It's got a better average than Money in the Bank, Backlash, Payback. It's, okay. you know, it's it, it's averaging out better than better than all of those. So while, um, while I'm not overly positive as a whole and obviously we'll get onto it on a match-by-match basis, I don't think it's the shit show that people have like presented it to be on Twitter and I think there's definitely people who've wanted to jump on it who are maybe a bit more WWE loyalists or NXT loyalists or something like that who just want to give AEW a bit of a kick while they're slightly down and they haven't performed at the at the, at the levels that we'd expect and I think that's one of the big things for me is expectations it yeah. just shows how like important they are because we're expecting things to be top notch from AEW you were expecting nothing from Payback and, and because Payback wasn't an absolute shit show suddenly you're positive about it whereas AEW were expecting it to be an absolute elite pay-per-view and it didn't quite deliver so you feel a bit more bit more negative negative about it but um yeah over over and all it's it, it's still 
to, for me, came out better than anything WWE have, have produced this year, probably apart from, you know, I don't know, probably that NXT show, probably that Portland show. Yeah, I think like that that is a big part of it. It's expectations, isn't it, JP? It's like, I think I go into an AEW show expecting, because that was the thing about this card, to be honest. Like, don't get me wrong, I was excited to watch it on Saturday night and sit down and, and you know, it'd be a, an AEW pay-per-view night. But I was looking at the card and I listened to that Tony, Co- Tony Khan conference call where he was talking, like, you know, this is going to be the best paper. That's the thing he was going, this is going to, I know he's in sell mode and he's a promoter. Like, this is going to be the best pay-per-view of the year. We've got some great matches. And it was, I was looking at the card going, have you though? Like, I think a lot mm. of it, it depended on, and we'll get into it later, you know, maybe like the tag match delivering and being like, because that's the thing. I think we expect a match of the year candidate, don't we? On, on one of these shows, we expect, you know, you put a match like that on the card, you're like, okay, maybe everything else on the card isn't going to quite live up to uh, to Big Tone's billing, but, you know, there'll be that. And I think, yeah, as Gareth alluded to there, JP, I think as well, when the, you do have those weird moments with, you know, the Matt Hardy incident that we'll get into, the, you know, the, the weird cinematic match, just the weird stop-start stop nature of the show and it being long and everyone there being tired. Um, and then you don't get that that big match. I think that's it. I think it's, you know, you go in expecting big things from AEW and then that's kind of where it goes. It's almost like they're, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, the, the, it's something they've caused themselves really by, you know, pretty much delivering every time on pay-per-view so far. And yeah, mm. setting, that's the key word, setting those expectations so high. Which is always something that they needed to do. And I completely agree. I think it's to do with the level of expectation. I think I said it around payback, whereby given the current standard of WWE, by that standard, this is a very good show. But remember, you're putting it up against a bar, which is just teetering above pure shit. So anything (laughs) that meets that bar, you're like, well, that's a Billy bonus, isn't it? I've only got shit on my boots, as opposed to like in my fucking mouth. Um (laughs) And so with this, on the other hand, you're expecting it to kind of be really good. And to be honest, I had kind of, I don't know what it was. There was stuff in the build-up, and we'd spoken about it, just not liking aspects of it. It felt like one of the weakest build-ups to a pay-per-view that they'd done, where they hadn't really hit on all cylinders. There was stuff on it that I liked, I found, and it's like you say about the expectation, like stuff in isolation that you could enjoy. But the problem was the stop start nature. And I watched it a different time to you guys. I watched it the next day. And what I found was I really couldn't get into the show because as soon as I got into the show, I was taken out by something. I was taken out by something that either was pure nonsense and, or something that was just not delivering as a match as to what I expected. I think a lot of it had to do with the the crowd and the miking of the crowd. It felt dead. And I got that. I saw some of the buy-in before I went to sleep. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of not really feeling this. This feels like a couple of dark main events you've put on. How does that entice you to buy the pay-per-view? I mean, God knows if they put that big swole Britt Baker match on on that. Like that would have been something that would have you would have just gone. Oh. I don't even know if one part of it. It reminds you of the first couple of pay per views they did. And they did librarian shit. Yeah, and it was like, who is this in? Who is this? They don't know what a pre show is. They don't know what it's for. Like it matters less now they because don't. they're on TV every week. But like when they first started, it was like this was the only AEW people could see for free. And you're right, they throw like the librarians on and. I had that same yeah. thought when when 
Serpentico came out and fucking Luther, I was like, oh, this couldn't look any more shindy. Like, I wouldn't want people to know they work for me, to be honest. Never mind putting them on, like, the thing that's going to be most seen that night. That's it. It's it's like, like I say, on Dark, they're fine. But they should be nowhere near graduating to this level. And part of it's by having that Battle Royal in there. Which, when you think of it, and you think of some of the components who are in that match... There's a couple of great matches you could have on the card that would really steal a lot of stuff up. And instead, you've got 21 people. I, you know, I'm not saying whether it would be belt, but if you put Lance Archer, Brian Cage on, let's just say as a big kind of Hoss match somewhere in there, that would have been very different. And you could have had that. You could have had Phoenix in a singles match if you wanted to do that. If you wanted to do something for the buy-in to be a bit different... Put Phoenix in a singles match. Ricky Starr, Darby Allen, kind of... like they've been building that. Like, why is that not yeah. on the show? And that's and and so what I found with it is not only was there the level of the expectations, but they made decisions here, which I I wrote down. So I wrote all Impact Wrestling because at times this felt like watching an Impact pay per view where you have isolated good matches and then fucking rubbish in there. And we don't expect him to do it. And if you want to, if you want to be a serious contender, you have to get on a roll of momentum. And unfortunately, you you have to deliver certainly good, solid pay per views. I think when you say in terms of the rating two and three quarters, if I was going to rate the pay per view as a whole, I might be erring towards that. Which, when you consider the money, the for a dynamite being say three stars an overall show, that's fine. It's it's a weekly television show. I kind of expect it. Pay per views are where you're spending your money, and the kind of overall level for this at times, it just didn't scream pay-per-view. It just felt like you're producing a pay-per-view for the sake of it, but you only do four of these a year and they should, and therefore you've got time to build to all of them in a proper way. So you should be doing better than this, given the resources, given the sheer amount of wrestlers there, like, uh, and then there were certain feuds that were cursed in it. Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy just seems fucking cursed from the start. It really does. And I think, unfortunately, the chair shot took that whole feud in a direction that it never should have gone on anywhere near. Do you know what it should have been? That should have been a cinematic match, and it should have been a compound match of Sammy Guevara going to the Hardy compound. That is your fucking cinematic match. If Britt Baker's not ready, don't use her. Don't do some daft idea. That's that's impact booking. Oh, it was so impact. It was so impact. It was so impact. Even the way it was was shot, mate, it looked so cheap. And the the thing is, at times they've done such a good job. And I think where, I I don't know, it felt like it was getting in the rails when it seemed like, is Britt Baker coming back for this? It was like they're repeating the same skit again and again. But then you had that awful handicap match. Was it the week before or two weeks before? Fucking (laughs) terrible. And you're like, oh no. And it's like, Swole had really gotten something with this and I don't see how this match helps in in any way and there were lots of little things like that and yeah and, and stuff just not delivering on the level yeah. so by the end I didn't finish that show until about eight in the evening because I would take a break from it and go do you know what I'm actually going to go and do this chore and I'll come back to this in a couple of hours and that's you shouldn't be doing that 
There was 11 matches on it, like when you included the buy-in. And if you think, like, when you're watching it in our time and, like, still sat there at 4 a.m., like 11 matches deep when, and again, when you look at some of those things, there's, you know, it almost felt like an excuse to have to get certain people on the card or something something like that. You know, I I look at something there, like, you look at the two matches that that were on the the buy-in, I mean, that Janela Serpentico match was just absolutely, totally unnecessary. Whereas on the main show, you've got like Jurassic Express, Young Bucks, like there's nothing there between them two. There's been no storyline built into that match. It was just, let's, we've got to get the books on the show. Let's get them in a match that's like the best possible match that you can. Put that on the fucking buy-in. Like, let them go out and have like a good match for free on TV there. And, you know, that's going to stimulate people to say, all right, you know what, I'm going to part with 20 quid here or whatever, 40 quid, whatever it whatever it was in the US and, 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 and pay for that because it was just like on the main show, it was just one additional match that you just, you just didn't need. And when you, um, and especially when you sit, you're sitting there and you, you know, you, there's like the battle Royal there's the eight man, you see in so many wrestlers like flash before your eyes in those 11 matches as well. It's hard for stuff to stick as well. So, it, you know, where you say there JP about stuff, just taking you out from it. There, there was a lot there that was kind of like, it was hard to hold your interests, kind of thing, because yeah. in some in, in some instances there was just too much going on. Too many wrestlers on display. It's like match, 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 kind of thing, like straight, like straight through, and all, all the while the the clock's ticking as well. And you know, it's one of those things. It's like the cliche, isn't it? Like less is more, kind of thing, especially mm. like from a wrestling yeah. match point of view. But it works from a wrestling card point of view as well. You think about those great NXT takeovers that there were two years ago three years ago just like tight nice little five match cards sort of thing you know maybe you know one pre-show match or something like that that's kind of what it needs to be it doesn't need to be let's throw as much you know everyone on the roster at this card and get them all out there and give them a chance to perform let's put on the best show possible with with what we've got because we have praised them for weeks in the past about the way they have built stories and built nuanced things that look like mm. they're going somewhere and look at, look like they're developing to a you know a certain outcome. Focus on those and get those on the cards. You don't need to fucking throw all this other stuff out there. That's that's you've why also got... we were like sorry, JP. That's why we were like that's why we were positive about the the B shows the last few weeks. Though it was like you mm. know what payback was two and a half hours and it was an easy watch and I was done. Like same with New Japan. New Japan learned that lesson as well. Like that the New Japan um, outdoor baseball stadium show was like you know there was no fluff on the undercards. They know we're in a pandemic. We know the atmosphere is not going to be great. So let's get in and out. Um, and yeah, that that's the thing. It's that I think quality control is the big word that I think will come up a or big phrase that will come up a lot during this podcast. Where you need a Tony Khan or someone like Tony Khan. To kind of go, okay, yeah, we do have all, all these millions of ideas. And, oh, yeah, let's, you know, let's rehab Joey Janela with a singles match. Let's throw a Dark Order multi-man on the show. Let's do this. Let's do that. You need that hard line. No, that's too much. That quality control of, no, we need to, less is more. We need to learn the lessons that we've learned in the pandemic. And we need to put that into practice. And that's, that's the big thing for me, JP. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, an hour too long. Like, if there is anything we have learned from this period, two and a half to three hours max. And I, I would agree on a card. I think eight on a card, seven on your main show, one on your pay-per-view. But each one of those matches deserves to be on that show hmm. because they are reasons why you're paying money cumulatively. Hmm. It may not be one match, but a combination of three or four matches. You go, actually, this is going to be really good. Really, when we look at this, the problem that we had was there was too much on there that like you mentioned bucks jurassic express is fine really if that's on dynamite 
Like, what do we lose? Hmm. Um, if Britt Baker's not ready, you put her and Big Swallows, you know, this is a feud that's gone on for ages, put that on an episode of Dynamite. You can even push that towards more of a main event looking to kind of change around how you do it. You don't need to do this every week. But it was so crammed that nothing sticks in the end. And it, it's an overall by the end of it, because it's inevitably going to compare it to other things. It just, it wasn't there. And if I could say, yeah, as, as well, just something about that audio miking. When I think it seemed to really work, what the stuff they did well, especially on Double or Nothing, was they just reacted to that front row of wrestlers. And that's what they were kind of playing to. Now we've got them looking to empty swathes of a stadium of people who are sat many rows in the distance who aren't really being mic'd. And it's like they're trying to react to them, yet we're kind of ignoring these people sat by ringside. And I think if you just reacted to them, you can look out, obviously, but play to them, have them leading the chance. I don't know what it was. They seemed quiet, but it don't know if they weren't mic'd. But like those are the kind of things. There was real enthusiasm with with those kind of crowds. And it's just, it, it wasn't there. And it just sets a tempo for the show. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It, it, it just dragged for me. And like I say, it took a, a, what, three hours, 48 minutes. Was it in the end? Like it took me the better part of about 12 hours to finish that. Cause it felt like a fucking slog. Not a good sign. Um, no. Well, but- I, I spoke to Joe about it, and he was like, I, he didn't know anything that was on the card. He hasn't been following it. And he was like, was it any good? Should I watch it? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> it will drive you further away from wrestling, mate. <laughs> like, really? You'll you'll be fine if you don't see it. I'll tell you when there's a great show, and then, it, and then it'll be worthwhile. But, like, for this, it was... Yeah, I, I just can't help but feel. But overall, especially with the expectation, that, yeah. and from the stands they set... This was a disappointment, and there's lots of stuff that they should feel culpable over as well. Definitely. Well, it kind of started badly, and I think it went on from there, to be honest, with this pay-per-view. So let's get into it, um, and we'll get into the individual matches. I mean, you touched on it there, JP. We kicked off with Big Swole and, and Britt Baker. I mean, how do you even rate that thing? Like we both said, you know, I said on the night myself, like it was, it was, if this was, you know, Rosemary on Impact and it was like a shitty, like 20 minute thing on Impact, I'd let it go. If this was, I mean, I wouldn't have used it on the pre-show to sell pay-per-views, but like, I don't, I don't know, I actually don't know if, put if you know, caving last minute and putting it on the pay-per-view was a good decision either. I think just having the match wasn't I think when, when I listened to that Big Tone conference call and he mentioned the word cinematic match I shuddered and like that's the type of like easy win when you're AEW to make yourself the baby face is to not like do those WWE-isms even the, the phrase cinematic match makes my screen crawl um, I don't think anyone wanted it I, th- I mean I, I know there were some people who got some enjoyment out of this is almost like a comedy skip, but I gave it one star on Grapple. I feel like that's a charitable rating because there's another match I gave one star later on, um, which is, you know, two one-star matches on AEW pay-per-view isn't a good sign, but to be honest, this is the type of match, like, you know, you guys probably have to wonder, do I even put it on? Is it a match? Like, um, 
yeah, I mean, one star is my rating. The average is 1.03, so you know where the grapple users are. It was just, it was a waste of time. None of the dent- dentist com- comedy work for me. You know, they trying to pretend they're going to use a drill in a match just doesn't land for me because, like, of course you're not. Like, and yeah, everything about it was just trash. And it was the, it just set the wrong tempo for this pay per view, I thought. And yeah, I think uh, Gareth, our, uh, our ratings on grapple uh, are pretty much uh, reflecting that. Yeah, like you say, it's like a one one star average there, and yeah, I went even lower. I give it like half a star. I just thought it was just the the absolute shits, and the only reason it didn't get like zero point two five for me was I just uh, I, I enjoyed uh, Reba coming out of the uh, skip with a banana on her head and keeping it on her head until the uh, until she came into uh, the dentist's room, and that that gave me that gave me a zero point two five star chuckle, um, and she still had a banana on her head. So if uh, so, there you go. That's that, that's why I didn't go. Uh, didn't go straight to the bottom for that one but oh god it was i think the most frustrating thing for me is i think the build prior to about two or three weeks ago has been like really good with this and the way they've kept brit on tv and kept irrelevant and they've helped build like big swall in that whole time period and it was you know for as much criticism as they get for their women's division it was something that's like okay here's like some undercard feud that's going on there and they're you know they're still building brit baker as a good heel on the mic and and i just feel like they've just blown it completely in the last couple of weeks i mean you mentioned that handicap match the other week that was terrible and like putting this on the show and there's absolutely absolutely just no need for it you know they, they easily could have shot like another angle here where brit's fit and healthy again and she gets attacked by a big swall or something like that and then it just like extends it out until she can actually like have a you know work a proper match and bring like a a natural um, conclusion to the feud that they've you know that they've built reasonably well, reasonably well up to now but i mean just for getting things getting things started this was like the, the the first thing that you're watching on the show talk about getting you off on the on the wrong foot and like leaving you not necessarily excited for what's to come afterwards and you know clearly that was the case for the grapple users as well as i was sat there seeing these seeing these ratings come in i was just thinking like good at least uh, at least this isn't one of these random situations where i'm watching like the fiend and john cena and i'm seeing five stars land and i'm thinking like <laughs> hell's going on here kind of thing you know um but um yeah yeah just uh, awful awful don't want to say any more about it <laughs> David? i went 0.5 and i kind of find it inexplicable i went that high um 0.25 we're not going to get into the zero rating debate but um <laughs> there's no debate mate no there Gareth isn't is there? no and it's just and in fairness it's your app so <laughs> you, you have that choice um with, with my iron fist <laughs> with your iron fist i mean but this was like don't blame gareth blame maths sorry carry on <laughs> yeah bloody maths um you'll be you expect me to believe science next it, it, I, I agree with what you guys said it was it was just really really bad and it's just disappointing there was stuff on the baker skits early on that were genuinely funny and laugh out loud stuff and they seem to move away from that quite quickly to Reba being in a ring and that appears to be the thing and being heavily involved with it it was more fun when she was kind of understated mm. somewhat in like into the background but they they've done stuff with this that they didn't really need to and it's kind of made Swole look silly because it's had a kind of like pacing around somebody who can't move for weeks and then going into the then, like as soon as it turned up, it just actively turned me into. A, it just made me have a bad mood. I was like, "This is shit." Like 
when is this over? Fuck. And I looked at the length of the show and I went, oh, God, no. No, 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 no. no. This, is, this feels like it's going to go horribly wrong. So, yeah, 0.5, and I think that's being more than generous. I mean, I gave it one, so I'm regretting that. To be honest, I think I should, uh, I should rethink that, really. Uh, I was thinking, is there like, any what, wrestling moves what, what, that took place? Sorry. I, I don't know, maybe using, yeah, the, the dentist, like, plaque and uh, certificates and stuff no that's not a move no, not even Isaac so. Yang can use that <laughs> what are you going to say Gareth I was just going to ask you why you liked it so much <laughs> you know yeah. I always think though like I mean this is my this. thinking it's like you know when people give I think if you give 0.25 or 0.5 like what you do when you go to like a shindy show like that the, the Ogdens would review and they throw the two trainees on. What's that then? Like, <laughs> like well, then again, was this better any better than, than that? This. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what you might have taught me? It's been actually maybe I should have got half a star. Might be uh, one star, might be one and a half, but it's better than this shite. Uh, I'll have a rethink of my scale, JP. I'll, uh, I'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, it was... Uh, sorry, go wait till, wait, wait till JPW is on the app. <laughs> exactly. There you go. And I'll just go at them. At least they did some moves. At least it was something resembling a match. I don't know about that. If you see my stuff, I'm not quite sure if there was. But anyway. <laughs> hey, that was hell of a battle royal, all right? You're yeah. underselling yourself. I know I've made it one day if I ever make it to grapple, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> moving on, though, we got our, we got our real uh, opener of the night uh, next up. Uh, that's kind of the way I put it uh, on the night on Twitter. This was the actual opening match. This is where I was still in a good mood. I didn't... I, I With you, JP, I think that probably was daunting, knowing how long this show went. At this point, I don't think I realised we were going to go quite as long as we did um and this was probably the i'd probably say there's a better match later on but this is the most i enjoyed the pay-per-view was during this match because you know i gave it three and a half on grapple young books and jurassic express you know i I wouldn't go higher than that although i think i'm a little bit uh, below the average there but i would you know i just say it was just a fun fun tag there like gareth said you said earlier i think maybe yeah uh, that is a shout maybe this could have been on the buy-in to uh, entice some uh, some more buys but no, i thought it was perfect for what it was i don't mind you know i think it's one thing if you're gonna force joey janela onto your card if it's the young bucks you know and they're sitting around doing nothing put him in there you know they're, they're doing the heelish stuff right now throw him in there with a pure baby face team like jurassic express because those dudes are so much fun like there's there's so much money to be made with jurassic express from toys and merchandising and kids which don't really seem like a, a big priority for uh, for aw i know they've got the figure line coming out but you know as far as pushing towards that younger demographic uh, i think there's loads of money to be made there and yeah i thought they were brilliant in this match i thought the young books have been on a on a sneaky little uh, run of form at the moment uh they seem uh, they seem motivated um i think maybe they got this storyline of their own create creation with the elite to, uh, to sink the teeth into right now and yeah i just thought it was the it would have been the perfect way to start the show, but in my mind, it did start the show. And yeah, I think it was, the, for me, definitely uh, one of the highlights of the night. It it was. It was like, it felt like, oh, thank God. At that point, it did start to kind of... I was still a little bit angry from the opening match, but then when, um, it, it sort of, when this got into its flow, I... I was per. I really enjoyed it. I kind of the, the reason why I wouldn't like. I only went. I think I went three and a half on it. Was there was no real stakes necessarily. Yeah. I find yeah. it intriguing. The Bucks going towards the the more heelish element for them, and I think that's that's quite good. Um, 
But at the same time, it's seeing the improvement of Jungle Boy. It's seeing Luchasaurus, like, in and of himself, thinking, actually, this person could be... Uh, he could be doing more single stuff, really, before Jungle Boy should be doing it. Jungle Boy should eventually kind of be, like, your kind of top guy. Because there is so much likable about him. Like, And even in the, the end of the David Arquette film, when he appears in that, and he's talking about his dad, who... You know, his dad seemed like he was an absolute class act as well. So, like, you, you're you instinctively liking him. You're like, you're kind of instinctively on, on his side. They're, like you say, they're a great babyface team. If you're going to put this, like like Gareth has said, the pre-match is the best place for it. Um, this is this is what you're, this is what you want an opener to be. Like, and Tony Khan knows that. Like, surely a god, you know, He's watched enough fucking wrestling at this point to think, hot opener, getting the crowds in there. You've got, you know, people who who everyone is really into. You know, if you open with this and didn't have that shite beforehand that for me slightly possibly like impacts how I felt about this, you know, I would have possibly been a bit more into it. Yeah, this was quite clearly in the original plans, I'm sure, on the original run sheet, this was the opener. Yeah, they, they needed to, uh, on this one, ignore Twitter uh, and go with that. Because, um, yeah, it definitely uh, definitely was, uh, again, one of the the, the brighter uh, spots on the show, I'd say. And, yeah, I think that's uh, mm-hmm. that's reflected on Grapple as well. Um, yeah. It's, oh, go on, Gareth. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, it's like a, a three, you know, 3.65 average on, on the app. I, I give it three and a half as well, you know. I mean, just sort of echo the stuff that you said there, really. You know, it was just, I think it was just the... It was like a fun opener, nothing like ridiculously positive, you know, that, you know, it wasn't like going to, you know, break any match of the year mm-hmm. rankings or anything like that, but just a, just a, a, a good fun match to, to get you going. I think one of the things I'm quite liked over the last few weeks is them pushing this, the books are serious now, there's a serious edge to the books and the commentators commentators keep saying this and it's you know since everything's happened with hangman and things like that and it's almost like they're trying to like push and position as this kind of step change and then working a bit more heelish and working a bit more serious kind of thing and i think that's kind of you know i like that in, the, in terms of leading them into okay where they go next and you know presume obviously going after the belts next and things like that pushing them towards that and it's sort of a, a different angle to what we've seen so far where it's you know it's kind of just moving them away from this you know okay they're EVPs, their fun, their young books, kind of you know this kind of element, and just just trying to turn that on its head head a bit more. But I mean, for me, it was just I think the match structure was was what I liked about it. It was just good, simple tag stuff. It was you know that keeping Luchasaurus out of the ring, using their speed and evasiveness to counter him, and then changing the style up when it was they were up against Jungle Boy as well. And you know, it was just like classic almost classic 80s tag team wrestling to me kind of thing the way the match was match was structured and um you know it's it's it, it always you know it's always going to be good when it's the, it's the books and and, and i think um yeah, i think i think there's certainly um certainly just like a good stepping stone really for for where they're going to go next yeah so yeah i think uh, a real highlight of the show for uh, for all of us there um but yeah moving on the uh, next up uh casino battle royale they're really uh Dedicated to this format, aren't they? They, uh, they really want to make it work. I would say, you know, I think they finally got the entrances down. At least, you know, remember when they did the first one where it was just reams of dudes coming out at once and it was just so unorganised. At least now everyone gets those, you know, little couple of seconds on the entrance and you can force the people in the same stable together on the same entrance. Uh, that said, I mean, to be honest, the, the two... The, 
I gave it three stars, so I feel like I'm going to be the high man on this. I think I maybe enjoyed a bit of the chaos. Uh, maybe the, the sycophant in me enjoyed Darby Allen being put in a in a body bag and, uh, and thrown over the top as we've uh, seen it evolve mm. so many times. Like, as soon as that bin bag came out, it was like, yep, I know where this is going. <laughs> Darby Allen is a fucking nutter. Um, you're not going to talk Darby. You probably should talk Darby Allen out of doing this stuff, but you're going to struggle to talk Darby Allen out of doing this stuff. Uh, it's his bread and butter, and you know he loves it. Um, less serious was... Uh, oh, well, it could have been more serious was the uh, the big Matt Seidel bump. That was my other uh, big note from the show. Mm. Poor Matt Seidel makes his big entrance, and he shot masters himself. Uh, did well to recover, though. You know, did like a, mm. landed pretty much a flat-back bump uh, off the top. Uh, could have been a lot worse going for a shooting star. Uh, I don't know. They were the two high-slash-low lights for me. Um, overall, I think, I think if I'd uh, if I'd have done any bets on this, because Sky Bet did have lines on it, and I never got round to doing it, I probably would have bet on Lance, Hoyt, um, Lance Archer. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't think there was anybody else who was uh, who was likely to win this one. And I think it was the right call. Um, yeah, all in all, I gave it three. Maybe I'm a little bit uh, higher than the average. It's sitting at two point six seven right now. But you know, it, it was a casino battle royal. I don't know if uh, you guys have uh, got much much more to add to that. Uh, JP, I. I think I went. I'm just trying to have a look on it now. So I went. I went two point two and a half for it, mm. which actually for a battle royal is kind of fine because they are clusterfucks in and of themselves. I don't understand why they bother with this card bollocks. Mm. They don't need to do it at all. You just have our, in our battle royal they come out in groups of five every five minutes. Mm. You could just do it that way if you wanted to do it. Um, I think you're right in terms of Archer being the person to go over, although. I don't want to see that title match for a while. Like it shouldn't be happening for like a good couple of months because they're going to need to give him some wins over some notable people as well. Probably including Brian Cage if they're going to go down that route or do anything there because that would be one of the issues is are you setting him up to come in, squash people and then lose to a top star? Because I can't see him beating John Moxley. Um, I... There were bits of it I liked. Will Hobbs, who I've mentioned on here before, I was quite pleased to see him on there. Mm. He's not someone who is ready for prime time yet. Let's not go. But he's one of the big guys who has really worked hard and especially kind of like really working out to really do stuff. And I thought one of the things actually when Seidel had his slip, he was the person who was going to have it have the shooting star press done to him and he would rolled over straight away to check on him. Yeah. Um, and I thought, like, you know, absolutely fair play. Um, it was weird with those fireworks when they went off. I'm not being funny. I honestly did think, I thought, because I hadn't been on social media, I went, oh, fuck. Has someone gone a bit, like, mental here? It's Florida. It's not beyond the realm. I did have that here, same thought, it? you know, I really did. Yeah. I thought, like, what? The... It sounded a bit like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're a lunatic. <laughs> I thought, oh shit! Um, and yeah, and then they explained like the Vincels oh, yeah, have finally come. <laughs> yeah, and I thought yeah, it would be them lot, wouldn't it? They'd be well and truly up for a bit of that after being pricks online and knocking around 4chan and believing QAnon and whatever shut <laughs> shite they believe in. Um, but overall, there are some. I, I suppose I had a bigger expectation. This was going to set up a lot more interesting directions. And I still didn't necessarily feel any clearer about that. Um, there was, yeah, it, it it was like a bit of a mess. And like I said earlier on, there are people in this that I think would have been better suited by being in some kind of singles program. 
than being being involved in this. I mean, so ultimately, with all of these, they got Lance Ar- Lance Archer over, but really, I mean, I have to say as well, the Eddie Kingston, Jake Roberts stuff. Yeah, what was going I'm on? Having doubts. Yeah. I'm having doubt. Oh, it felt like a spot that Jake was. Like Fuck. what? There was like five minutes early, wasn't he? Five minutes early to open the bag, and that'd work as like a split second spot. Oh, there's a snake in there! But the fact that he just was constantly holding it up to his face, like look at the bag, look at the bag. It was like it felt, and Eddie was trying to kick him off. It felt like he was there like two minutes early at least. And the problem is with with Jake is he needs to go onto pre-tape, frankly, because he rambles a lot of shite that he thinks is clever. And it's like, yeah, maybe in '87, mate, but you know, he kind of moved on from his, you know, talking well, about yeah. talking about wallow, the million dollar man wallowing in his own avarice. It's like, what is it now? Squirrels, the Smurfs, whatever the shite is he talking about? And so, and the problem is that Moxley's going to want nothing more than having promo battles with Jake Roberts, isn't he? Remember that when remember when Jake came back in WWE and put the snake on him and he was lay there with a big fucking smile on his face. Well, let's get ready for that again. <laughs> Like so, of this match, which I've probably given far too much time to, it was a mess. It was a clusterfuck. It got the right winner. Seidel's all right, but ultimately, it feels like it's really a bit of a waste of talent at times. Yeah, I mean, you know, I give it two point seven five, so I was a bit higher than you. I'm probably a bit more like in line with the average. I just enjoyed like bits of it, you know. I think I think I, this was probably one of the things going into it where I liked the idea of they'd put the cage archer thing there, so you're kind of looking forward to that. You had the Ortiz Santana best friend stuff feeding into it as well, so that was a little something to look out for. You had the Darby Allen Ricky Stark stuff as well, so it wasn't like a lot of battle royals where there's just like shit thrown in there kind mm-hmm. of thing, and it's just like make something of it. It felt like there was actually some points of reference to look out for and things were going to be going somewhere on the back of it. And even then within, within the battle royal, I just thought there's some good stuff. Like you say, Will Hobbs, you know, he just looks like future money. If you think they're about them growing their own stars, you think of him in 18 months time, two years time or something like that, how they might be able to use him. You know, that looks really good. I like them, you know, cage eliminating Billy Gunn. I like Sonny Kiss eliminating Jake Hager and things, you know, it was just use of established talent to, with, with, people that there are trying to like push as newer and fresher and things like that so you know i think there's decent things there but i think the two things that jumped out for me most were one was just how over darby allen was because yeah. we talk about the crowd not being loud at all like throughout the event and not being mic'd up properly and things when his music hit that place went fucking off and you were thinking if, if that had been an arena full of people like that pop would have been e- i mean it was the pop of the night anyway from the people that were that were there it would have been absolutely enormous like that guy is just a star and he's so over with people what he needs to do is you know make sure he's not fucking banging his head on the back of some steps or something like that when he's getting mm-hmm. thrown in a body bag and fucking it all up before he even gets started really kind of thing you know i think that's the uh, you know let's temper that a little bit kind of thing but i think the other thing coming out of it is maybe i'm a bit higher on Archer winning it than the news because I think when he got beat by Cody in that TNT title tournament final I was mm. a bit like it felt like a bit of a wet fart really the way he'd come in and he dominated all these people and first title match he'd lost, lost and I thought yeah. oh have they, have they just blown this kind of thing but I think the way they've rebuilt him from that point they've rebuilt him well and he came out of that again he's still looking like a monster he's still looking like a killer and definitely like a credible threat to John Moxley and we've you know we've seen them have you know a, a really good match in New Japan as well M2 as well so you know I think there's a, you know there's a good title match down the line with those but 
you know, alluding to your point, JP, about let's not go too quick with it. I think that Brian Cage thing, just sitting there in between it as well, there's some mileage that they can probably get get mm. there before you ultimately get to that that title matches as well. But all in all, I mean, as far as a battle royal goes, it probably served its purpose more than you know more than more than most really. So you know, I was happy enough with it really. Sure. Yeah, and I, just to echo both of your points as well about the. Uh... The use of talent on this show, like the, one of the big things that did stand out for me before we move on, is Penta and Phoenix being just two guys in this. Like that is like to me, that's a bigger conversation to have at another point. But I did mm. as soon as Penta Pentagon felt like less of a star than Will Hobbs in this match, and that worries me. Um, they are just dudes in this Eddie Kingston stable right now. Like Pentagon should maybe not headline in these shows, but both of them should be in the upper mid cards and. They couldn't feel further from it right now, um, and I think there's some warning signs there of the of those two languishing a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah, they, they were probably for me. That again, Will Hobbs got plenty of time, which was you know interesting considering you know he's not really someone who's been featured so far. Um, but yeah, I thought the uh, it was interesting who didn't get uh, a lot of focus, and uh, those were although there were some good Phoenix spots early on. Uh, yeah, th- those are just two guys who are really lost in the mix right now, and hopefully, hopefully, there's a plan to uh, to set them straight rather than uh, rather than languish any further. Well, Will Hobbs as a dark as a squash match coming up on dark. Does and do you know who else on dark this week? Oh, Ben Carter, isn't it? Yeah, Ben Carter. Interesting. You got to snap those dudes up early these days. Like, uh, yeah, he's someone who you'd you'd want to get like three more years on the indies. But to be honest, like. He's got someone's gonna snap him up, so you know if it, if AW get in there first, that's not the worst thing in the world, is it? No, and and do you know what? They might let him work some indies and carry on doing that because that's going to be the stuff that really helps him as well. Right. Well, uh, moving on then to probably one of the the bigger, in fact, not one of the biggest news story that had coming out of this was uh was our next match. Can we say like if I struggle to rate the uh, the cinematic match? I gave this thing one star as well, but I even feel guilty doing that. Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara. It's still going on today, lads. Uh, Rebby Sky still, you know, she's not one to, to take these things lying down. She loves her uh, a good fight on social media, but I do think she's uh, in the right on this one. Uh, going back and forth with Tony Khan as to whether Matt Hardy had a, had a concussion or not. I mean, anyone who watched this this match could tell straight away yes that man got knocked out and yes i think that counts as a concussion um if to be honest like in real time watching it like i thought the spot was bad but it wasn't until the replays and the gifts sort of saw how bad it was and how uh, matter clearly smacked his head on the concrete there was a lot of uh watching it live at the time you will have missed jp there was a bit of like half a twitter thinking it was a work and half thinking it was a shoot um it was so obviously a shoot. Um, at least it was to me, anyway. Mm. Like, there was a point I was talking to Steph at the time, and we were both watching it, and it was like the the moment where Matt started grabbing like Sammy Guevara's pants and almost pulled them entirely down. Like it was kind of like I laughed a little bit, and then it was like, "Whoa, hang on, Matt is not all there. There is something wrong." Yep. And yeah, the fact that I don't. I just don't buy that the that you know Aubrey Edwards has clearly got Tony Khan in her ear and she stops the match. The referee then allegedly in these four minutes clears Matt Hardy to finish the match, and they think it's a great idea to Matt Hardy, as you said earlier, to climb some scaffolding. Um, I can't, I can't, I don't know what protocol you've got that allows you to clear someone after something like that, and in those four minutes, obviously you're live, so there's a lot of pressure. But yeah, I think there was a, a huge amount of mistakes in here. 
barely even a match. It was basically two spots. To be honest, like, I was before it even started, it was like, oh, the brawling on the field, are they? We're doing another backstage match when you've actually got a show with, with the crowd in. I thought it was a bad idea in the first place, to be honest. And mm-hmm. I tripled down on it being a bad idea, them doing the ridiculous spot that, you know, got my hardy hurt. And yeah, I just thought this was a, a real black eye on the show and a real uh, black eye for, uh, for AEW uh, in general, JP. Yep, absolutely. Um, I said it earlier on in this show, this feud was doomed. Um, and this match was kind of a culmination of a direction that this feud should never be go- never should have been going into. And I think for me, they changed it around as soon as that chair had happened. And that was a warning sign in and of itself because that was incredibly reckless. Um, when it comes to liability, it's kind of the combination of, is it Dr. Samson? Samson. That's it, yeah, Do- yeah, yeah. No, it's Between Dr. Nick, him, mate. Dr. Nick Riviera. Dr. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking seems like it, isn't it? <laughs> sure, baby, I'll prescribe you anything. Um, it's, it, it, it was just... That's going in the show, and we just like, <laughs> It was just the idea of, like, why to have concussion protocols at all. It seemed to me that everyone kind of reverted to a show must go on attitude, which is really scary. And it didn't need to, you should have ended it there and gone. That's terrible. Matt Hardy's going to be checked out. And then him say, I'm not going to leave AEW over that because that appeared to be the only reason for carrying it on is the fucking storyline. Yeah. And that was not a good enough reason for this. He shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Why are they trying that spot out there? Like you say, it's just the whole thing is fucking was dumb. Mm. Like for me, like I said at the start, the, the value in this would have been a funny enough, the entirely different direction of a comedy match and a comedy match that involved um, the Hardy compound. And I think, my God, that would have been stamped done one of those. And maybe this wouldn't have been necessarily the right time for it. He might've even done it on dynamite, but it was, it just like this is something that they kind of shoehorned in a lot of unnecessary violence. What was it? The week before they were running out of time, so had a six-minute main event, and I thought to myself, "That's impact, isn't it?" Like this kind of clusterfuck going on felt again very impact. Like there was just so like, and it wasn't a match. And I think again, I, I think I went point two five on this because it was just like this should not have been happening. This really should not have been happening in any way, shape, or form. And it, again, it completely took me out of the show because I wasn't thinking about anything else that happened. And I was just gobsmacked when it carried on. Just thinking, how can you allow this to happen? Rebby Sky has every right to be livid about it. And again, if you're one of the arseholes in her mention saying why it isn't, it's like, like that's her husband. They have a family together. The kids were watching and... the show. Did you see that? Like they were in that his little cinema room watching the show live with popcorn. Like I mean, that's probably a bad shout anyway, considering what the match was going to be. But it explains yeah. a little bit. I know she she is she's a she's a forthright person on social media to say the least. But like, if you don't understand why she's so upset, like I, I don't know, there's not much down for you. Well, when things like this happen, do you blame her for being like that? She has no right to trust promoters in that case because ultimately when it came down to it when the big decision needs to be made if no you close it off oh i think he's all right no it doesn't matter we're, we're not going to do it we'll deal with it on wednesday yeah they didn't it was show must go on we need to get a finish to this match 
he's hurt, but he can still work. And that's carny bullshit. And they're meant to be better than this. Yeah, and I and I, I think it was that kind of like protection of Matt Hardy as well. Where it was where it was lost because it did feel to me like watching it live, like he seemed annoyed once he was up and he was on his feet, and I almost felt like it was him who was like, I don't know, pushing for it to continue a little bit as well. And that's where you do need the person who hasn't just nearly killed themselves to go no, and you know, really sort of like step step in and take control of it, and you know, have that other person's you know best interests at heart really and just you, you know you know take over from things and the idea that it was like because of a stipulation is just bollocks you can always work your way around a stipulation oh, yeah. that's, that's very easy as on like that could have been in a month's time it's you know i didn't lose that match you know it's you know it was a referee made a bad call da, 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 we're having another match and there you go everyone's forgot about it and you move on and kind of you know who cares but like you know, I, I genuinely, I genuinely thought he'd fucking died at first when it like when I was looking at him lying on the floor I, I, I thought it was watching something really bad. And then when he was like, when he was getting up and he's like trying to grab hold of Sammy Guevara and stand up and things like, you just knew instantly it was, you know, it wasn't a work, you know, Matt Hardy's not that good an actor, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, you've seen enough people, you know, playing rugby and things like that with concussions who don't know what planet they're on and things. And he quite clearly just did, had no idea what planet he was on, on, on there. And it was just that immediate warning flag. And like you say, I think, you know, you've mentioned it on, on other areas. These are sort, sort of supposed to be the things where AEW are the whiter than white company. And these are the things where they're going to differentiate themselves from WWE. And it's not a case of the show must go on. And it's, we, you know, we protect our workers and things like that. And, you know, there's been a couple of instances so far where that hasn't necessarily been, been shown to be the case and you know it's hopefully it's something that they uh you know they they, they learn you know they learn from going forward because like you both of you it just it definitely took me out of the show for a while because it just felt totally wrong when i was watching him climb up that scaffold and i was just waiting for waiting for the worst and i just didn't you know it just just didn't want to watch kind of thing you know and just well it was almost like when the segment was over and he was fine it was just like a like a, a a pure relief, but it wasn't what you want to be thinking when you're sitting just trying to get a bit of a bit of entertainment on a Saturday night. No, that's it. And I think most people tell that story. Like I, I think, same as you. Next forty five minutes, I just wasn't into the show, and it just took me out of it. And I think it was one of those little moments, like JP said in the show, where it was just. That's why the show felt so awkward. It was moments like this, and this was the biggest one where it was just, yeah. How do you? why yourself back into enjoying wrestling after something like this has happened then you could tell like i saw um tony Khan's uh post-match um post-show interview i don't know if you've seen it where he's taking questions from the media and he's like his pupils are massive his hair's all wild and you can tell he's just stressed out and he made sure before anyone even asked about it he went straight into the matt hardy thing because it was clearly playing on his mind as well uh, and yeah, I think it really, from this point on, the show was already feeling a bit cursed, but this was the point where it was, there was no point to return, really, and it just it took me out of the show, and it, and it felt like it affected the show in general as well going forward. That's very much, though, him controlling the narrative by mentioning it getting out of the way, first of all, and not allowing um, other people, journalists, asking questions. That's why they need to push him. That's why you, you want more Yeah, you know, people who ask those hard questions, which you didn't get a lot of, unfortunately. It was a lot of fluff. Was it? Mm, What's yeah. the kind of level of fluff that we're talking about? <sighs> you just get like, Because oh, if major incidents happen like that, they should dominate it. Yeah. And it should have been definitely the first thing to kind of talk about. It came up, but I think because he got it out the way, I think, yeah, you got like an odd question about like, 
which countries AEW are going to go to in future and you know talking about the show in general yeah it was this oh, is the stuff fuck. he needs hammering on this is well again if this was you know I'm not one of those Meltzer bashing people I, think, I feel like I'm one of the few people on earth who still quite respects Dave Meltzer but like Dave Meltzer was, was one where like if you hear this exchange with Alvarez where Alvarez was just like no oh. this is like because Meltzer was basically just towing the company well he didn't have a concussion isn't that great and it's like I mean and, and you know when it, when it wasn't his decision it was the it was the it was the doctor's decision it's like ah, I mean if this was WWE I think we'd all be going well that doctor's full of shit like we did with Daniel Bryan like we have in, in other mm. in other instances yeah I, I would I would like ex WWE doctors that might be what he thinks is standard practice oh I didn't Hate know that. to say it oh that's interesting yeah I mean I, I know AEW were like the babyface promotion but like you know this is where they don't babyface themselves this is where they let themselves down and they need to hold them to account like any other company um, yeah it was just a un- unacceptable 20 minutes of uh, of TV and yeah uh, it's no no surprise that it's the main thing that everyone's been talking about coming out of this um, moving on then uh, up next to, unfortunately the uh, the women at the uh, the spot where they had to attempt to wipe the, the bad taste out of uh, everybody's mouth Akira Shida and Thunder Rosa I'll be honest I actually thought this match was pretty good um, considering the circumstances as well I gave it three in, 3.25 on grapple I know people have gone a lot higher than that I'm looking at the average right now it's 3.63 so maybe not everyone was taken out of the show at this point um, I thought there were a couple of awkward spots in the match but all in all I think the, the experiment of bringing Thunder Rosa in has is, uh, is definitely been a success uh, I think anyone can see that she, she carries herself like a star she was like that you know just seeing her in little bits on NWA Power and on their, their pay-per-view earlier in the year, uh, she quite clearly um, is, you know, a level above uh, some of the women AW have been using during the uh, the pandemic period. Uh, and yeah, I thought it was a, a fun little 15 match if maybe I was taking a bit out of it myself by, uh, by what came before it, Gareth. Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this. You know, I, I ended up giving it like 3.75, so oh, wow. I went above the average, average um, anyway, but... Like again, it was it was one of those where I was kind of I mean this helped me get back into it. I've I've watched it again since, and you know probably like part of the reason for the for the high rating as well, almost like watching it in isolation. But I just thought that again for me, like Sheeta just like delivers. I th- I, I think she's I think she's excellent. I, I, so like so many of her matches, you know, as I've gone down grapple ratings, I'm I'm always higher. I, I, I just think she she carries herself like a star. I think the way that like matches get structured and things like that work really well. I think the way that this match was was put together. I mean, it was a little bit clunky at the start, and they weren't necessarily you know totally smooth early on. But sort of once they once they, once they got into the groove and they had like Thunder Rosa dominating things, really getting her over really you know working well with you know you know just great great facials and things like that you know and just 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 presenting herself in a in in a way that made her feel a bit like larger than larger than life you know i thought i I thought they worked together really well by the end and I, i was just sort of sat there thinking like god this is one of those pairings where like imagine these if they had like a house show loop if they got to work together like 20 times in a month and then you put them on a pay-per-view again a sort of thing and then you know when it's it'll be absolute top-notch stuff between these two these two because um i I just thought they 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 really delivered and you know that obviously i said there i've gone higher than the the average on grapple you know it basically levels out as being the best woman's AEW um match 
that that there is. It's sort of you oh, know wow. there's the there was a good uh, Rio Nyla Rose one on an early dynamite in in February. There's the Nyla Rose Shida match from from Double or Nothing that are both sort of in and around the, the same average score. But mm. again, given that that's it's just followed that Matt Hardy incident. It's the first time there that they're working together in AEW. You know, coming at it cold sort of thing. You know, I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was absolutely absolutely outstanding stuff, and I'd just love to see them just uh, get Thunder Rosa. You know signed up you know get her involved i just want to see these two work more and more really because i think they've they've you know this is this is maybe like the basement level match so you know i think they've got a lot more uh, a lot more in them i could easily see them you know getting a four four and a half star match you know once they've had a chance to work to work together work together a bit more maybe you want to jp i went three and a half on this because and that and i'm with gareth heavily on the hikari shida um loving in in um aw i think she's been when it comes to the champions that they've had she has been the one who constantly delivers good matches and enjoyed nyla rose i enjoyed this i also enjoyed the thunder rosa serena deeb which i know a lot of people said you know went back and forth and again as a match in isolation i really enjoyed that um i remember the first time i saw um thunder rosa was on, she did an MMA fight on the Tito Ortiz versus Alberto Del Patron Combates Americas card. And <laughs> she kind of shows, like she lost. It was her MMA debut. She's in there with someone who'd already had about three fights already. And she really kind of like it took it to a decision, hmm. which when you think of the amount of wrestlers, you just get knocked out cold as soon as they go into MMA. Like really knew her stuff. And I think as a result of that and the NWA title, she's really someone who comes in here, who, who carries herself like a star. And it's like, like what you mentioned just a, a few minutes ago, um, like really between both of you, this is a feud I'd like to see more of. I also think in terms of the NWA deal, this is where you put your Will Hobbs. If you can get him some show like working for NWA, if they're able to kind of come back as well, this is what you use nwa for there are lots of talent private party let's just say for example there are lots of people they could send there who could do really well there's lots of um lots of the women they could send there thunder rosa beating them in order to get back and get a rematch with hikara she's going to take out AEW and go through the roster like that there's loads of good stuff you can do here i love the way she kicked out the falcon hour on one um, I just really like the fact it took two of those to kind of uh, bury her there. And Sheeda is so good at adapting to whatever her opponent is. And it's one of the things, it's one of the kind of, I think the big game-changing thing is that a couple of serious signings in the women's division, like in, in an ideal world, you pick up a couple of, of, you know, sort of name talents from WWE in particular, and you really have something there. And I think the way they need to do that is they need to have Hikaru Shida, I'm not saying it's effectively kind of unbeatable, but they really need to go with her as being the go-to person because she delivers on the big stage. Like, I, I don't really even have doubt in that now. And, I'm, you know, we're not talking kind of four and a half, five-star matches, but I think with the right opponent, the right feud, and a bit of timing, I'd like to see this come back as a dynamite main event. I think this is the kind of stuff you give 20 minutes to and you put on the main event in a month's time. Like, there's there's more here and they need to go with it. 
And considering the slot they ended up in, having to follow what happened before, like it was a phenomenal effort. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the, the Thunder Rosa experience has been a good one. Um, I think the mm. only thing that went against it for me is I maybe didn't believe at any point she was going to win um, with the political mm. issues. But, you know, if they can work past that and bring her back, I think it's good for everyone. I think more people know who she is now. You know, that's better for NWA. And, you know, NWA got a fair amount of a, a shout out here as well. So, yeah, to me, it seems like good business to uh, to continue this on. And, yeah, it's not like... Unfortunately, it's not like there's a huge amount else great happening uh, in the AEW women's division over the last few months. They're obviously trying to rebuild and, you know, they use the tag tournament as a way to debut some new people and, you know, put things in place. But, you know, they're, they're seeing some fruits, uh, even if it's slow progress. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, this is more of the stuff that uh, they definitely need to lean into. Uh, up next on the show, then, we had, uh, I suppose, this... To be honest, you know, we talked earlier about how we didn't need all the matches on the show. This was a big one. Why wasn't this on Dynamite, lads? The uh, the eight-man... Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, Are you missing something there, Ben? Oh, what have I missed? In between that match and this match. That oh, Kip yeah, Alex Marvez, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kip Sabian, the... Uh, Jesus. You know, he's uh, he's he's one of our own. He's uh, he's great. Uh, yeah, the uh, plug-in his Twitch stream and... Doing the whole uh, wink into the camera, you know, where, 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 what they say at the end, AW endorses this message or something like that. Um, plus, he's going to announce his best man, and it could turn out to be Jimmy Havoc, so, you know, we've got that to look forward to. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I, was, I was just watching this, and I was just like, oh, God, <laughs> like, this, like, on a show that was start, you know, it had so many elements go wrong with it and definitely didn't feel like it was heading in the di- right direction. Suddenly some backstage promo with Kip Sabian talking about a fucking wedding and then some like mystery best man. And then I'm doing that, like the Twitch thing at the end, ordinarily I'd have been like laughing at that, but I was like, yeah, yeah, you go, you try and take the moral high ground after you've just let Matt Hardy like <laughs> yeah. land on his head, from, like 50 mm. foot. And you know, like, yeah, yeah, we aren't we great compared to WWE. Uh, maybe not so but um it just like as a as a thing leading to an angle on dynamite i was just thinking like oh god this just feels like more wwe light bollocks that we don't want AEW to be to be delivering and it again it was just another like kind of little shot in the arm of uh taking me uh taking me down really on this show <laughs> but yeah. i'll let you get back to the next match which no totally that's the shit they need to say for being the elite, isn't it? That's that's yeah. like we didn't need it on the show, and yeah, it was just another awkward spot on the show. Um, but you know, yeah, we, we get the big angle of uh, the the best man reveal. So you know, at least there's like, apparently keep... weddings get ratings, don't they? Oh, there is that. There is that. Yeah, I mean, they they have in the past TNA that uh, the aces and eights wedding that was a uh, that was an underrated one. Um, they do pop quarters. Yeah, yeah, when uh, when Bully Ray turned and uh, yeah. joined the Aces and Eights, all of that. Uh, yeah, that was that uh... was funny as hell. That was <laughs> it was a good one. Uh, it was before the turn, wasn't it? Um, yeah, we had to wreck on it and pretend that it was all uh, Bully Ray's plan after all. One of the underrated wrestling weddings. That great performance by Taz as well. Um, but anywho, <laughs> back to AW. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the the eight man was up next as I said before. I don't think we need to spend any time on this to be honest, lads. It was a match. It was this was. I think I saw Voices of Wrestling tweet about it, basically saying like, like uh, all all we, all we need here is a uh, Makabe to take us to the finish and uh, and end this thing. It was every New Japan throwaway tag that you just want to get through to get to the real meat of the card. Um, I don't think it had any place on this show. I gave it two point two five on Grapple. The average is two point seven seven. 
it was a match. I don't know if you guys got anything to add on that. It just felt like, for me, the only thing that stood out in this match, it was, it was like the International Festival of Sunburn. I was just like, <laughs> what you like, say? Like the, half of the half of the people in the match just looked like they'd just been like just burning out in uh, Florida at some point during the course of the day. Macado, you know, the the colour on him, the, the sunburn mm. on Cabana. I was just thinking like, oh god, this is that this is just take my attention away from this uh, totally. But as a match, there's just nothing going on, and like QT Marshall, like fuck me, like Jobs that for the boys. guy, is so bad. He's like so <laughs> everything is like super slow motion. He looks like utter shit. Like he, he, to me, he just he looks like somebody who you know when you talk about like like some shit indie show or something like that. And it'd be like two lads working the opening match. who have got 10 matches between them. He just looks like some, like somebody like that. And when he, when he's trying to do like his, his dives and his, uh, it, it just looks in super slow motion. He just, just get off my TV. And then when you're talking about this being like an 11 match card and stuff that you can just take away, like why on earth is that guy on this show at, at, at that point? Oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> in both kayfabe and real life mate he's Cody's mate and that's all there is to it <laughs> like that's it isn't it like he got it you got a nice little pop that time that first time he did the space flying tiger drop and they've tried to continue to use him since yeah him and uh, him and brandon cutler um are, uh, yeah they, they're stealing a living at this point um, and and i th- i thought this match was going to be used like probably more to I don't know, showcase Scorpio Sky a bit more or something yeah, like yeah. that. It feels like now since they've 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 teamed up Daniels and Kazarian again and Sky's come out on his own and he seems to have had like a little bit of a bit more focus on Dynamite. But again, he just sort of seemed lost. He seemed to be in the background of this match. It was there, there was there was nothing there with that either, really. So like it was just total, just no point in this even being on the card in the in the, in the slightest. It had dynamite written all over it, and you know mm. it's it, it was it certainly wasn't what I needed at this time of the morning. Oh, and you know if you'd have given me Scorpio Sky in a singles match, JP with Brody Lee, I'd have taken that. Or Scott, or, yeah. or Dustin, the, the singles match to do with Dustin on Dynamite. If that was here, it still would have been one match too many. But I think there's more value in that than this. Yeah, it was just it was a match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a match. Um... It's playing. I mean, the problem was even the angle they're doing with Colt Cabana wasn't resolved, and I don't think it's going to be resolved really for for a little while. That yet yeah. on Matt Cardona's tan, it looks positively offensive. <laughs> That's how bad it is. It's like, oh my god! Like, I don't know. How I should be reading, uh, but like, it, it was. Yeah, the idea of Dustin Rhodes, Brody Lee, fine. I actually thought if it wasn't Scorpio Sky, they're going to focus on it. it. Would be Matt Cardona, who's in there for a limited amount of dates. Is this one of the things you do with him? Really? Does this? It's like you say, the whole match doesn't need to happen. I don't mind QT Marshall, but effectively it's the same as getting Matt Bloom to turn up on a on a tag team match because that's really what his job is. QT Marshall within this, his job is training. And that's absolutely fine. Him appearing on Dark for Dustin Rose to have a tag team partner so he can eat the pins for that. I'm also fine with that. I like seeing Dustin Rhodes in like, and he does always stand out. But this was just kind of pointless, really, as much as anything else. And that, and for the Dark Order, I'm not saying it kind of, well, it is. It does kind of like stall them and their development necessarily because i think again it's that it's like building up the momentum and in this match just doesn't need to happen 
And this was the match as well where we had JR just going like full on dirty old man perv oh, in this match as well, wasn't that, it? Which yeah. was just like, you know, he'd said a few things in the last episode and over the course of this one, but it was just like, you know, like, come on, like, <laughs> give it a rest, fucking hell. Mm. Like, is. Lawler been on the phone again, I take it. That's it. Felt like that, didn't it? He feels like, feels like a law upon himself as well, though. It's like, he feels like no one can tell him either that, he, that he's doing wrong. You know what I mean? Like, even. If you want to get away from this stuff, I don't. I just don't think he's been good in any tough view. He's had odd weeks, but overall, I don't think. I don't really think he's been that much of a net positive. I think with like you know, he clearly dismisses half of the product. It's written all over his face, and it's in his words when he doesn't like something. He doesn't like a match. He doesn't like an angle. He doesn't like the wrestlers following the rules. And it feels like because he's Jr. And I'll say it because he was good twenty years ago. Like people are too scared to to, to tell him. And too scared to put him in his place. And he did that apology on Twitter as well, didn't he? Which was a as non-apology as you'll ever see. He feels untouchable. And, you know, one of my mates, crew, will always say about JR, like, I don't know if I, I completely agree to it, but I think there's a element of truth to it. How many people watch Dynamite because JR's aren't? What does he draw? Like, is it worth it? Like, I know people, people like this idea of this nostalgic idea of having this, you know, greatest of all time wrestling commentator on your show, but... Like, does he actually add any bad? Is he, if anything, is he taking away more than he's adding at this point? Uh, I could, I could absolutely live without Jr. Um, I could take an Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, Taz commentary trio. If you have to have a trio uh, any day over this, and yeah, this was mm. just. A, I mean, it was especially bad. This one, I don't want to do it down, but just another one of the moments where I was like, I just don't need to see Jr. in twenty twenty. To be honest. I kind of wonder if he's there for the same reasons that you would just have big stars. He's recognisable, particularly when they were trying to get on TV. We have Jim Ross. Jim Ross was the voice of WWE for all these years, and especially in the glory years and the Attitude Era. And to TNT executives, it might well have meant something. And possibly even to kind of advertisers. These are the list of people. And that would be as much as anything else. In terms of what he offers, and I suppose I've enjoyed him a little bit more than you because you could sense him kind of when he would get enthused by it it seemed i was quite happy for him because it seemed like he was i I almost at times think is he coming to grips with some of this stuff and then you'll hear him and it's really dependent week by week on how he's really feeling and his mood he Mm. might just start teeing off about something quite randomly yeah um in terms of this like not saying this stuff it wasn't all right in the 90s for fuck's sakes and he's he's carrying it on now and being contrarian about it afterwards, it's just like, or you can just not say it, mate. There you go. You don't need to say it, do you? Like, like it's a, it's, it's, like I said before, it's Jerry Lawler shit, mm. and it should be nowhere near this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been getting better. I've, I, you know, I think I said it on it here yeah, a few weeks ago. Said, like, yeah. I think his actual his commentary of the matches. As, as improved you know and it's definitely been a lot better than what he was doing you know in new japan or doing on world of sport and things like that in between i think he's grown with the product but you just always know he's just got something like this in him where he's just going to drop some absolute fucking clanger where he just sounds like an idiot so out of date so just like you know something that's gonna be taken the wrong wrong way and like ah oh god's like you just I don't, I don't know. Like, and if WWE said, did it, we'd be on their arse. Absolutely, yeah. we'd be all over them. And it, to me, it was just another something. Another. It was almost like where you've had a couple of black marks on things over the course of the, the card. It was just like 
another like little kind of like negative tick where you think this isn't what AEW is supposed to be all about or, or what we want from from AEW. And it's, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I always remember him talking about like, um, commentators wearing uh, black trousers because of when shows going a bit too long, and like if you, in case you need the toilet. Well, I think uh, the way he's been going on commentary recently, he's going to have to invest in some fucking white trousers because uh, he's getting a bit uh, ridiculous with some of these uh, comments around uh, women, and I think he needs uh, something to something to disguise something else over them. Yes, I think. <laughs> he does that's the point though as well as well as that side of it he sounds like a toddler with like with shit in his pants he sounds like he's got a dirty <laughs> diaper half the time he's just yeah he, he's at the end of the day I mean I didn't want to go on on this but I will with JR like I feel like if he can't he's supposed to his job is lead commentator they can't make him the lead commentator because he doesn't know enough about the product so that's why Excalibur exists and if anything he makes fun of Excalibur for knowing things and if he can't do that, then, yeah, for me, that just says he's past his sell-by date. Um, and, you know, I, I know you're higher on him. Well, you've been higher on, like, his improvement and stuff like that. And being more into the product than me. But, I don't know, maybe for me, I, I just bring in 18, 20 years of me not being a fan of JR. And, like, I, last time I enjoyed JR was probably, like, 2002. Uh, that's how long it's been for me. So, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd take a little bit of joy if he, uh, if he gets sacked here. Uh, but maybe that's mean. <laughs> Give him a job somewhere else. He doesn't have to be on commentary every week. Maybe that's... Uh, maybe he should that's be transitional in the first place. They should have been thinking two years and he just gets the ball rolling and then, and then we move someone else into it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the route, but... Yeah, we'll see if they act on it or if anyone tries to put him on in his place. But my uh, my guess is no. But we'll see. Uh, moving on, then we had uh, what we were maybe all expecting to be the match of the night, and I don't know. I thought I wouldn't say it was a bad match. I gave three point two five on grapple, but uh, again, as you said at the top of the show, Gareth, expectations are everything. FDR, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Page. I've watched this twice now. I still can't quite work out what went wrong. Because I enjoyed some of like the the leg work earlier and the heel work from FTR, and it just felt like as it went on this half an hour match, it just I, I, live. I thought they lost the crowd. Watching it back, that crowd is just clearly very tired. Uh, if you believe the conspiracy theorist, it's more that they weren't mic'd. But you know, like we've said earlier, like Gareth said, you know that Darby Allen pop, uh, you could hear them when they were loud. So uh, I don't know how much that excuse holds water, but they just felt like they lost the crowd. For that reason, it just didn't feel like it had huge drama. I say this all, you know, gave it 3.25. That's not me saying I thought it was a bad match. That's just me saying I expected 4.5, 4.75 FTR to, you know, they've got this rep from five years ago on NXT um, as being one of the best tag teams in the world. And I thought this was the time we were going to see it and it was going to be proven, um, whether it was the snake bitten show, the crowd or the pacing of the match. It just didn't really work on that level. Um, and yeah, I thought this was, for me, while not the worst match on the show, I would say absolutely uh, my biggest disappointment. Um, and I know uh, you, were, uh, you, you were quite surprised, Gareth, as uh, some of the grapple ratings came in because you weren't uh, particularly high on this one either. Oh, no, I mean, it's averaged out at like 3.7. And like you say, this was a match going in where you're thinking like, oh, here we go, this is where we're going to see FTR performing back at the levels that we've seen previously, you know, this is, you know, they've, they've 
you know, they've obviously had a warm-up matches on Dynamite and things like that. But, I mean, I went three on this. I was bored out of my fucking mind. And then the fact that it went half an hour, <laughs> I just, I could not wait for it to end. And, like, wow. I'm, sta- I'm starting to think, like, you know, I tweeted out, you know, it sort of makes you think how good American Alpha were, maybe, you know, kind <laughs> of thing. Because I'm starting to think, like, were we, I don't know, were we blinded? Did we think the we revival were, were better than they actually were? Yeah, you know, you know because in reality... I mean, how many years is it since they've been up on the, the main roster now? And, okay, you can blame WWE booking and things like that, but they're putting opportunities as, as as well to have good matches since then. And, I mean, for me, they just they just haven't delivered. And then the, the whole idea of their whole, the way they're supposed to work matches and their match structure and this classic style and things like that, it just it just doesn't, doesn't seem there. And uh, I don't know, it just all came across as just, just a bit dull for me. And whereas... Probably months ago, I'd been thinking, oh, yeah, I can't wait for, the, you know, when these and the books go out there and you've got, like, the you know FTR healing it up and the, the, the books been up, you know, flashy around them and it feeling, you know, you know very much the throwback stuff. I'm looking at this now and I'm just thinking, like, God, can they even, like... Can they even perform to the to the level where we just we're, we're going to get this elite elite standard you know tag match that we're all expecting? Because you know we've saw what what Kenny and Page did with the books earlier this year, and that was you know absolutely you know fantastic. You know I wasn't I wasn't bored for a second of that. But I mean this by comparison, like for me to be given this three stars, like yeah. for the people involved and for the level of match that this could or should should have been in your mind going into it i don't know that i'm so i was like looking back at my notes and like looking at, and I was, I was struggling for something positive to say about it you know I'm, I'm, mm. it was almost like a i gave it a three and that kind of felt a little bit like it was i don't know like a dutiful three or something like that you know there's part of me that feels like i should maybe have even gone less and give it like a two and a half or something like that i don't i don't know i don't, don't know if you were any higher on it jp no, I went three stars and I ummed and aahed with two and a half and I enormously struggled with this. And I suppose in some ways the warning signs were there with the kind of rushed affiliation with Tully Blanchard, like which they've just completely gone into at, at this point. And it was like, okay, you've just sort of stormed through it. But obviously there's a few things there. It's about whether or not do they work a style that is reliant on a hot crowd? For one, is that yeah, the kind of true. is that is that part of the case? But then you kind of wonder as well about a good match is good matches, and I think there's issues with the pacing here because it just kind of sort of fell off a cliff for me, and I just was I say fell off a cliff. I was very strong. I just found myself going, I'm quite bored, and like Gareth towards the end, I was like, I want this to end. For me, the high point of it was like Adam Page. Yeah, that hot really. Yeah, yeah, the hot tag and like he, he was just out there and he was so smooth and he was so good and it was like um and I think even his own kind of emoting I think is is actually quite good and quite underrated. But given the storyline and other stuff going into it, I expected it to be more heated. Yeah. And it didn't have that. And that was like the complete opposite of the revolution match which had nothing but kind of pure molten heat at the center of it. And it, and it completely worked. It was dull. And it, and like, a, you know, the fact that 
you know, even if you think in the SCU match, they had to win the titles. Like, Paige and Omega have been great fun in this tag team. And I'm kind of glad that's come to an end because I do think in terms of the singles division, they could okay. do with this and a bit of, and a bit of kind of star power, depending on which direction they go in. And like you, I kind of feel like it, a heel Kenny Omega and Kenny, the cleaner is what they seem to be going for. And I'm wondering if they're doing effectively an old version of the elite and it's going to be them as egotists, which means there's a lot of heel factions or certainly potential heel factions. And it's like, Jesus, you need another one of those. They do that, but don't they? They have one idea felt... and then they multiply it across the, the across the show. Like that happens a lot with Yeah. And it's and it feels incredibly muddled all of this now. Yeah. This storyline that felt like it was going to be clear. Yeah. In fact, and I think this may be the lesson to kind of really take away from this show. The signs were all there in the build, the things not going right for this. And I think this is the case here. And I think there's very much this kind of like the story in and of itself should be simplistic. FTR are a solid unit. Omega and Page are individuals. They have their own inner conflicts. FTR have been fucking with Page's head. You know, all of this stuff seems like this should be, you know, if somebody told you that in isolation, that's pretty standard, solid, decent booking towards a title match. The match didn't deliver. And it was actively boring. And like I say, three stars. I'm kind of wondering if I'm being generous. I think what what would have helped as well is like on that storyline point that like I like a slow build story. Don't get me wrong, but this is your biggest pay per view of the year, and I don't feel like we got any real resolution. It was just it was a, it was like oh, there's, there's more chapters to go. And for all we know, we might look stupid when they pay this off on Dynamite on Wednesday and do a red hot turn angle, which. Might actually be what's happening. I could maybe see that happening on Wednesday. But I think that added to it too, because it just felt like nothing really happened either. We didn't get that big moment. Okay, yeah, Kenny storms off after the match, and Kenny's mad at Adam Page for whatever reason, because, you know, it's not really Adam Page's fault they lost. But you know, that, that, I could see that paying into the story and, and maybe making sense eventually. But it wasn't big hey, enough. they're all fucking pissed off with each other all the time. I mean, doing it's very it complicated months now at this yeah. point. It's, it's getting convoluted, convoluted, and it's, yeah, it's kind of like, I, 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 again, you know, I wanted, this is their biggest, this is all out. I wanted a big moment, and we didn't get, we didn't get the big match. And we didn't get the big moment either. And, you know, yeah. again, we might get it on Wednesday. But I really felt like the show needed it. And that, to be honest, you say warning signs. When this came on there from the top, I was like, okay, we're not getting it then. Because I feel like it might have gone on last otherwise, you know, with MJF not winning the, the main event. I don't think anyone really thought he was going to beat Moxley anyway. I thought this might have been a good excuse to headline with the tag titles and, you know, put them on that level. Uh, but then again, with the match that they delivered, maybe uh, they did the right thing putting it earlier on in the cards. But yeah, I really felt this card needed the big match or it needed the big angle. And I don't think we got either. Yeah, in finally, in, like, and I've seen, is it Cash Wheeler, one of them just doing the usual kind of... Oh, there's a little thing called heat, mate. It's heat. Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you, right. You get your heat when you fucking turn up. You're on big money, lads. Less of the fucking yapping and more of the work. And is it Cash Wheeler as well? You need to be in better shape. I'll just say that. And I know that may sound incredibly cruel, but Dax Harwood looks like a million fucking dollars compared to him. So, like, less bitching on Twitter and a bit more work in the fucking ring. There you go. Listen to JP. Says someone, but I've never taken a back bump for good fucking reason. I like my back. <laughs> You're a wise man. <laughs> yeah. 
so there we go. Average of 3.6 on Grapple. The users clearly liked it more than us, Gareth, but yeah, I think uh, even though I'm the hard man on this podcast, I don't think I can really defend it either. Um, yeah, um, but clearly it meant more to uh, to some other people. And and I think with this as this as well, like having that Shida Thunder Rosa match kind of like brought me up again after the Matt Hardy thing. Like the eight man brought me down, and this this sort of killed my mood for the rest of the show. It was like watching this where I was bored for half an hour, suddenly going into those last two that I should have been really up for kind of thing. I was getting to the point where it was, you know, you just struggling with it really kind of thing. And then I think then where you, things haven't met your expectations and you're going into those last two matches there, that's when the last two really, really needed to deliver to, you know, knock it out of the park and, come away leaving like a really positive taste in in your mouth and again um you know as we uh, as we go on to to talk about yeah. don't necessarily think that that happened well yeah if you thought uh, that was kind of the weird point the show was you know where i was looking at it going right we're reliant on mjf or the mimosa mayhem match to save us here and i don't think either is gonna happen um yeah this mimosa mayhem match like ah uh, it was just it was it was one match too many or two matches too many in this feud for me. It was too geared around comedy. It was, I, I mean, this is supposed to be like again. They had the really great segment with with Eric Bischoff, but with uh, with Jericho and Orange Cassidy, the feud seemed like it had a bit of heat at that point. We had the drab match on Dynamite, and I was kind of thinking, okay, well we'll, we'll get the the rubber match, and you know it'll be something on the level of the first match. Instead, they throw this mimosa mayhem idea Ari and Jericho has been very proud on uh, Instagram this week posting his little doodle uh, of what the Mimosa Mayhem match was going to look like so we know who to blame for the idea and it's another case where I feel like somebody needs to tell them no and I think if these two had a match where I know you were you were using blood in the main so maybe not but you know if it got turned into like a bloody brawl or something or like you know because Orange Cassidy the whole point of this story was he got really fired up and he was taking this seriously and he wanted to fight Jericho you know they had that great you know that shot where he sprints across the backstage of the hard cam on Dynamite because he wants to kill Jericho and instead you've got a match built around ooh is he gonna fall in the pool and it's just <laughs> like you know Cassidy's having to like almost in a comedy well sell that he's gonna fall and the payoffs it was a funny moment with Jericho falling into the mimosa and he took the bump well but as far as a heated match I mean again you know there are the crowd issues but it just wasn't there and I felt like this is a match where I should be with Orange Cassidy all the way through wanting him to get his revenge on Jericho wanting to you know biting on near falls and I just wasn't engaged at all and it just it was the wrong match wrong occasion Everything about it was just wrong for me, and it just it didn't work for me on any level. Uh, I went two and a half on Grapple again. That's the story of the show. I could have gone lower, um, but yeah, you know, the, again, the average is sitting there at two point seven nine. Didn't save the show. Probably never was going to. And yeah, I thought this was a another disappointment for me. Yeah, um, I went two and a half for this. Um, no stakes. It was an excuse for Chris Jericho to fall into a big vat of tango. Um, and he didn't even get the pleasure of the big lad running out and <laughs> slapping him in the face afterwards, which would have been funny. Could have got Lilt to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if it was Lilt, like, it would have been a bit more exciting. Um, but like, it was... That, that was the... You kind of hit it nail on the head. This was meant to be, what, the culmination of a feud? 
and it felt like sometimes you hear about the idea of people going over and not actually gaining anything from it. I think that's very much the case here. I don't think Orange Cassidy gets anything from it because the idea is he's a comedy character who is transitioning into being serious. And instead he went back to doing what is effectively comedy um, for no real reason. It was, it was dull. I, I just, it was just like, look, I know who's like you mentioned about like kind of knowing who's going to win and lose in some of these matches here. I just thought I couldn't see anything else, but Jericho falling into like a Vatatango mm. and which killed the near falls. It, yeah, exactly. So like, that's what you're building towards. And I thought the setup actually for the, for the orange juice was actually quite fine. But again, it was another sort of bullshit match with a stipulation that wasn't needed. Um, uh, someone suggested it should have been a Texas death match. And like you mentioned before, like not being blood, a cage match, at least something there that would have like had some degree of meaning or would have meant Cassidy's victory would mean something. But now what happens from here? He wins a feud. One of them is a quick roll up, which they had to cut away from at the very end of a show. And this second one is what Chris, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It's the first match where he lost actually is the one that has the meaning out of all of this. It's the one that sticks with you and it's the one that kind of builds him. And it does feel like, like something went off the rails a couple of weeks out from this, didn't it? Yeah. Now again, with the benefit of hindsight looking in somebody fucked up and yeah, I'm going to name names. Looking at you, Kenny Omega, because no doubt some shite of this you've got involved with. <laughs> and Jericho suggesting stuff when he's on the piss. Yeah. No. Yeah. Just say, I'll have a drink of one of those now. Nah, fuck it. I'm not having that on a pay-per-view. <laughs> he could have done a fucking Lex Luger, Stan Hansen, um, like, chain match. You know, you could do that, touching the court or any other. It would have fit the like story this. better, wouldn't it? Because that was the story. It the would have. It was the progression of Orange Cassidy to this serious moment. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's almost the opposite of what the Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy feud should like. Those two feuds have yeah. got, ended up in completely the wrong directions. Like, really, ultimately, with with the kind of stuff that they did. Yeah, two and a half. I think that's being polite. Realistically, it's two. <laughs> Yeah, I went to I, I went two and a half, and like, I mean, for me, it was just it was almost like Chris Jericho has been hearing people tell him how he can make anything work, and he can turn his you know he can yeah. he can turn any crap into a positive, and you know, and he's he's heard he's heard that too much kind of thing. That now, you know, it's almost like believing your own press kind of thing. I'm the biggest Jericho fan in the world, sort of thing. But you know, even here, you could just see his fingerprints all over this, and it's just been something where he's he has totally missed the mark. I think I think the main thing for me is is like I'm not sure who it helped, like because Jericho doesn't feel better as a result of uh, of this match and, and orange cassidy he what he, weeks ago this feud made him feel like he'd gone to another level kind of thing but now i feel like he's he's almost lower than he was kind of like even though he's won this feud and just the, the outcome the way this has worked out i don't i think his stock's a bit less almost i don't know where he goes from here and what he what he what he can sort of try and achieve from it from here so i think from that point of view it all sort of feels a bit 
short-termist sort of thing, which again is mm. something that I've not, you know, I've been positive about AW's long-term thinking, but there's there doesn't seem that clear direction, and the evolution of the character now feels like it's been an e- evolution for the negative rather than a, an evolution for the positive. And you know, I think the most engaged anybody was in this match in that arena was when Jericho's entrance was came out. Like Judas was the most over thing about this entire match, you know, for all these people saying how over orange Cassidy is, he wasn't as over as Judas. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, that's, you know, again, that's, that's surely got to be like a, a surefire sign that something's gone wrong because the crowd should have been right behind orange Cassidy here. And they should have been absolutely fucking elated when he won it. And at the end, the, I didn't feel like he got that. I didn't feel like the crowd were positive at all, really. It just sort of felt like a wet fart at the end, really. Yeah. And Orange Cassidy just looked awkward in the ring as well, like he didn't know what to do. You know, he was just kind of just standing there. I was like, oh, and I was looking at him, well, what now then? Because like, he's, he's going to be back doing comedy. Like, he's going to be back being Orange Cassidy. And I almost, you've, now his character just feels a little bit confused because we know he's got this in him. So what, you know, the, the anger that he showed in, you know, a few weeks ago when this feud peaked, like so, you're gonna be watching him now, going. So, why is he back doing the the gimmick again? Uh, I just think it was a failure on on all counts, and yeah, it, it, this show didn't need it at this point either. Um, and yeah, I think that that's pretty much reflected in the uh, in the grapple rating for it too. So, yeah, Jericho and Orange Cassidy couldn't save us, uh, and that led us to John Moxley and MJF, who, to be fair to them, had a good match. Um, I don't think it was saving the show at this point, but you know, I gave it three and a half on grapple. Thought it was good. Average is three point seven two. Um, you know, I've been a little bit critical of MJF at this level on the card. Um, I do think at the moment he's a very good upper mid card heel act. Uh, I've I've called him a mid card mid Sanders like uh, character, but I feel bad for that. I like, to be honest, I like Mike above average Mike Sanders, so I don't even think that's slight. But uh, you know, I don't. Hell think of he's a promo. Yeah, well, that's MJF again. MJF, you know, obviously, I think he's. It's fair to say, not that it says much, but he's at least twice the worker that Mike Sanders was, and he was decent enough in this match. You know, he was fine. Um, he fit the role as. As Moxley's challenger of the month, I just think where this whole thing lost me was the build. It was, you know, we haven't even really talked about that the shit show that was Dynamite last week. Um, you know, the, the the second hour that just completely went off the rails. They had the, you know, the end of it with MJF bloody and Moxley was a good moment and you know got me a little bit more invested in the feud. But before that, we had weeks of MJF playing, wanting to go for president and throwing in little inside jokes and. The whole fucking garbage with the lawyer that for whatever reason, the first Dynamite on a Wednesday, they got unopposed. They decided to to give the lawyer a match against Moxley. And yeah, I feel quite justified slating the idea of that last week because it was just, it, it just didn't need to, you know, it didn't need to exist on Dynamite. It was raw garbage. It was, you know, the type of shit that, yeah, just you don't want to see on an AW show. So they lost me a bit in the build, but... So I wasn't as invested as in the match as maybe I would have been, but I would still say on the night they delivered a good enough match. Uh, again, MJF didn't look out of place. I think, I mean, I'd say it was better than that Cody match where everyone's focus was just on Cody's tattoo and not the the match itself. Um, you know, I still don't think he's uh, the finished product, MJF, as far as in ring goes. But I can't lie and say it wasn't, you know, a highlight of the show because it was. This was joint uh, first for my favorite matches of the show on uh, on three point five stars, and yeah, it was again not enough to save the show, but I thought a, a good enough main event, Gareth. 
Yeah, I mean, I went the same. I went three and a half, and that, you know, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was it was good. I watched it again today just to um, sort of almost watch it with fresh eyes as well, really. And you know, I felt probably the same, maybe even like a little bit higher than I did watching it live. I think the you know, I think the main thing it's I mean, going into it. There was part of me that thought it wouldn't surprise me if it stuck the belt on MJF probably on the night once Lance Archer won that battle royal. I thought, you know, he's not getting the belt here. There's, there's no way they're going Archer MJF. So that kind of took the took the shine uh, off it a yeah, little bit, yeah. kind of going into that main main event for me. Um, but I think it just sort of it, it it proved that while it probably was a bit too early for him to have the belt, I think he showed on the night that he can hang at that level. And I think he showed that, I think a lot of people have had doubts over MGF's in-ring ability and him just, you know, he's just a promo and he can't work and things like that. But I think he came across as credible in the match. You know, I think he could, you know, he, he certainly sort of showed there that he can, he can perform at that, that, that level. And, you know, there's certainly an element of growth there. And if it was a bit too early now in, in one year's time, he could, I could easily see them with him with that belt on him and been like a champion who holds it for a year and has various people chasing him and using all sorts of you know fuckery to get get out of uh, matches and you know get, you know get wins and things like that. So I think it achieved something there in that it elevated MGF ultimately the the, the match from that standpoint. Mm. I think they made the right decision sticking it on on Moxie there, and I think I think the way that it finished as well. You know there was that element of a bit of. Wardlow's fault throwing the you know was the throw of the ring good enough Moxley used the illegal move so there's things there now for the Wardlow feud that's obviously going to happen the whole Virgil Ted DiBiase thing like later down the line eventually that's gonna that's gonna come with them too and then MGF can now moan for weeks and months kind of thing that Mox used that illegal move to get the win and things so that they've given them some promo mileage there they can work with a bit more hopefully outside of the um, election campaign sort of stuff so in terms of like an out for MGF and a, him getting beat and a story development point of view and a character development point of view, I think it worked. You know, you didn't get that big moment that you were talking about previously, Benno, on the, on, on, on the card that maybe you would have got with a title change or something like that. But I think as a, again, as a, as a mechanism to take this character forward and, you know, think about further down the line and where MGF goes. I think it worked. And, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with his in-ring stuff. You know, again, he's someone who I've sort of, I could take a, take or leave from a, from a wrestling standpoint, but he showed that he, you know, he, he, he deserves to be there, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And uh, I went three and a half as well, unsurprisingly. I think it was, and I still think there was an element of being, uh, following on from the Jericho Orange Cassidy match, where, I think I almost went into this at that point in time thinking this show feels like I've not liked this show. Mm. It's been a step down from everything else they've delivered. MJF's here. I'm just thinking Sod's Law says he gets stage fright. And he didn't at all. And he, like you mentioned about being an upper mid-card heel, I think like he's a year away. And the match with Jungle Boy that he'd had, that was a double or nothing, wasn't it? The, mm. the, ma- the match he'd had with Jungle Boy. And I, I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed his work here in this. I mean, I thought that the stuff with the, uh, like MJF going after his arm and him surviving the beating. And he does, you know, he, he blades well. I'll say that much. Um, 
I was compelled in watching it. And I think the Wardlow stuff, like they've played up in it before. There was one of the weeks where he was sort of staring at the belt, wasn't he? Mm. When he, when he picked it up and he'd handed it over to him and, and those things. I don't want them to go down that route, even for another year. I want MJF to have the belt and to be a champion by the time they, they go near that. But the, and this is what you need to be teasing like a year in advance. I can see him having the title in a year. I, I kind of wonder in some ways, this is very much a sort of sink or swim spot and he, he swims and his work is getting good enough and he is showing improvement in it. The way that he carried himself, he interacted with that crowd better than like 99% of that fucking um, roster did. Mm. And while itself it isn't a great match, I kind of put it on the, like I really enjoyed the Moxley match with Brody Lee from Double or Nothing. And this felt like another good, solid title match for him to be having um, on, a, on a kind of big stage. However, it is coming to the point where you need to give also Moxley an opponent who you seriously think might beat him. Yeah. And I think we are at that point which is why I don't know I'm going anywhere near a Lance Archer match for a little while because that isn't the person. That's still another mid-card, upper-mid-card heel that you're trying to... And it's him trying to elevate. Yeah. And I think you're at a point where it's like you need to put him in there with someone. I suppose the obvious one would be heel Kenny Omega, mm. which at this point appears to be that I'm stealing your TWAW <laughs> Um, it's okay. You and Eddie Sideburns are the assistant bookers, so you can take the credit. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie was much better than me. I, I was very much, again, Russo. <laughs> Wacky ideas and then run away. You know what's funny about the, this? I'm just looking. Um, you'd be proud of me, Gareth. Look, deep diving into my, my previous grapple ratings. Like, I remember mm. at the time the MJF Cody match at Revolution of you know the three of us on the show with joe i was definitely the high man on that match because i know you got you too joe and jp hated it um <laughs> pretty much but i was just looking i gave that 3.75 and i gave this three and a half like that's quite interesting that because i think we're talking about it like mjf's now more comfortable in the position uh, i could mm. I, to be honest i probably could have given this three point seven when i rewatched it today i thought mjf's kind of work in the match and his limb work and his work as a heel was almost looked better on second watch maybe i maybe i could call them a tie um but would you say that jp Did, were you more impressed by him this time round than you were in that match or yeah i i would do and i, I was impressed it's probably the position that he's being put into there Again, it's, it's expectations like, again, it's, is it? Like Gareth said at the top of the yeah. show, because I didn't expect much out of this match either. So maybe that explains no. why we're raving about a three and a half star match. And that's it, isn't it? And it's this card. It's mm. where it appears like it's the fact that there's so like there's very few kind of like you might think the the Bucks match, what the women's match and this match are kind of the three high points of this card. Neither of them kind of like kind of teetering, you know, at the top of a mountain or anything, is it? It's like <laughs> it's, it's you like you look at this and you think of the amount of money it costs in the US to buy some paper. It's oh, sixty yeah. fucking dollars. And they I don't have know, the grapple card. I'd be they? happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, ultimately, um, I think he he did really well because he's kind of he was very much fighting up against a a kind of much more difficult tide of having to main event a show that's ultimately been disappointing mm. and that was difficult and it would have been easy in some ways 
for them to kind of, not saying write off the match or anything else, but I thought they did a, a really good job, like for what they did. But again, it was like some of that shitty build for their, the election stuff just didn't need to be there fucking at all. It just felt they're doing it because the election's going on in the US and that's basically it. But ultimately, you kind of strip that away. This, I I enjoyed this. And like I say, it even gave MJF a kind of get out for his first loss. There's not really a loss because he used an illegal move to do it. I thought the finish was clever. Um, mm. So there's that as well. But yeah, um, yeah, a, a fine end to a not so fine pay per view, <laughs> I would yeah. say. Uh, I don't know anything more on that, Gareth, or the, the show as a whole but before we go. No, I think we've covered it there. We've nearly mm. gone as long as the show. <laughs> That's it, yeah. It is what's complaining about 11 matches. You can skip through this, though, can't you? <laughs> yeah, people have already turned yeah. off. It's fine. <laughs> when people complain, oh, the podcast lasts as long as the show, you can fast forward through this. <laughs> That's three hours, 48 minutes, and there's a good two hours of that I'm not getting back and I'm annoyed about. There you go. The, the, the JP's attitude to customer service there. Gotta love it. We love our fans. I took a break and watched Ireland lose to Finland 1-0 at home, so I properly... <laughs> fucked off by Sunday night yeah. look you've had a long couple of days mate yeah. <laughs> uh, anything more from you JP on that or anything at all uh, do you want to throw in your plugs now I suppose yeah plugs are plenty um, you can hear me um, on the long and winding Royal Road with uh, WH Park and mm. we're talking about Jumbo Saruta versus Misawa in 1990 very much the housewife's favourite match of choice um Go and watch it if you haven't. It's all over fucking YouTube. I mean, on the classic Puro channel. So there's no excuse, Richard, um, <laughs> for this. But um, yes, I'm I'm on that. I'd also go back as well, listen to what was possibly um, slightly more uplifting times. What it felt about AEW before um, before this show. See how it comes up in comparison. When we're saying they're getting all this stuff right, isn't it really good? Um, but yeah, got those. Um, Otherwise, yeah, follow me on Twitter at JPGP. Three E's. Awesome. Gareth, do you want to do the grapple plugs? Yeah, I mean, first, just wanted to say just thank you to everybody who uh, bought um, All Out through the uh, link that we uh, put out there um, through, uh, through Grapple that we were able to get through through Fight. It just means that we just get a little kickback uh, from Fight based on the, the sales that came that way, which, which obviously helps us uh, just keep the app out there and hopefully all enjoying it. So, Big thanks to everybody who did that. Um, look out for that again in future uh, future events. We'll be we'll be looking to do the same, and um, yeah, you can keep supporting us in that way. But otherwise, yeah, if you just uh, download the app on Google Play or on the App Store, if you follow us at Grapple App on Twitter, um, that'd be great. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and from me, obviously, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richie D. Um, do that the new episode of British Wrestling Experience uh, come out last week uh, with Shane, also known as Global Force Gold on Twitter. Uh, if you don't follow him already, do. Uh, the uh, his, uh, his WrestleWipe uh, summaries of a month that he puts on Twitter are great. And he was a, a great guest to have on as we uh, we ran through that, that Rev Pro Epic Encounters show uh, and also caught up on the uh, the uh, the last couple of weeks in Brit Res. So yeah, check that out at Post Wrestling. Um, like I say, uh, follow Grapple as Gareth said that Grapple app. Follow JP and Gareth on Twitter too. And yeah, other than that, there's not much coming on uh, this next weekend, so uh, we'll uh, probably be doing a bit of a preview. We'll hopefully have uh, those G1, uh, a bit. we'll know a bit more about the G1, and then yeah, after that, all systems go as we get into uh, to tournament season coming up. So yeah, all that to look forward to on the podcast, but for this week, for now, 
that's it for us for another show. We'll see you again soon. Bye. There you go.